Hello. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christiania Internet Radio. Today is Friday, November 27th, 2020. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. This weekend, I decided to do another open forum discussion program. It's my second in two months. It, it's the second one in, in perhaps six or eight or ten years. I don't even remember. It, it's been a while. If it goes well, I, I promise I'll, I'll do it more often. I'll do it every second or third month. And if it gets stale, I'll probably find something else to do when, when I can't take the time to write an entire podcast. This this evening, I'm doing an open forum podcast because the, the, the presentation I began to write this week will be presented while I'm on the road next week. So that's the way I planned it. It's um, almost 12 full years of Christiania now, so perhaps the next open forum podcast, if this goes well, we'll celebrate that in mid-January. Hello, everybody, and, and thanks for being here. It's it's wonderful to have you all, and, and I'm happy that you all showed up. I, I don't know who wants to talk first. We, we don't have any real order of precedence. It's the quickest one on a draw. That, that's the way it is. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Amen, amen. Well, I guess we have about 15 or 18 people here, maybe. I can't count too quick. But that's good. Okay, so Bill, uh, I'd like to get it off rolling. Um, I was pondering about uh, the uh, John eight forty four, and I recall in one of your Weissman series uh, parts where you had come to a. Vern, 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 we have somebody talking in the background, right? Can't happen. I'm sorry. It, it, I can't even understand you. Apologize. Okay. Sorry. We'll start it again. All right, here we go. Uh, John, John eight John eight forty four. Um, you had a wow moment in one of your Weissman series where you got to take um, a look at that verse in arguendo with Weissman about Cain and the devil and the serpent. And I recall that uh, you had seen that verse in a new light that uh, you were going to possibly expound on further. And I thought about it for tonight because I know that this is an issue that the Judeotards, as I was one, um, have always had the problem in understanding that, oh, there's a single Antichrist coming, we're waiting for him, the uh, futurist, uh, preterist ideas, right? And that um, this is going to be the devil, he rules over everything, and this is the guy that's going to show up in the end times. So I thought that this John 8.44 might be a good spot to um, tackle that issue, particularly to the Judeotards that I was, and getting rid of this whole spiritual devil thing, and that he is real, but there are collective people, right? Well, well, right, but there's a lot of other passages in Scripture that show that the devil is basically a collective of people. I mean, 
Peter, in, in I think it's chapter 5 of his first epistle, he was talking about real people when he said that the devil walks about seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't want you looking over your shoulder for, for demon spirits. He wants you looking over your shoulder at, at, and being wary of human individuals. And it's the same thing where John said, um, where John warned. That there were many spirits in the world which are antichrists, and, and not to accept anybody who doesn't have the doctrine that Jesus is the Christ. And when he said that, he wasn't talking about disembodied spirits. He was talking about embodied spirits. And, and to me, that the the plain realization that I had, and, and I just had it this year with, with John eight forty four. Is that the words plainly mean for he is a liar and his father? But when you read the scripture, and, and this proves to me how things I've said many times in the past are true. When you read the scripture, you read it with a pre programmed disposition. No matter how well you know Greek, if you have a pre-programmed disposition about what a verse says, you're just going to assume that that reading is correct. And, and there are many passages of Greek where my translation has radically departed from all of the other translations. And I believe that I can effectively argue and uphold my translation. Um, an example is in, I, I think it's... Second Thessalonians chapter three, uh, either in verse two or verse four, where, where Paul says that in the King James version that not all men have faith, but where the Greek says the faith is not for all. Uh, there are many examples of that in the Christogenian New Testament. It's Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse two. So. so I, I, don't I don't know why I never read the plain meaning of, of, of um, John 8, 44. I, I mean, it can arguably be read either way, but and, and that's because of, of one of the unfortunate features of, of Coin Greek. And, and even though it's more explicit than English, it's still unfortunate in that that form of the pronoun can mean of it or of him. It could read either way. So he is a liar and the father of it. But does it say anywhere else in scripture that the devil is the father of lies? I mean, it does say that he's a deceiver. But millions of Christians, billions of Christians believe that the devil is the father of lies because of that particular passage. But the passage just as easily and, and actually more naturally says he is a liar and his father. And either way is cannot be condemned. Either way is technically correct. But, but I would rather read because he is a liar and his father. Now, as far as that predisposition and what you think a verse says, right? All of Christian identity never questioned this verse until I did this year. Never read it the other way until I did this year. I'm not bragging. I should have seen it 12 years ago. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I translated John, I think, in 2006. I should have seen it in 2006. 
But it's, the, but it's the plain reading. When you have that impression in your head of what you think a verse says, you're going to read it the way that you think it says. So that that, that, that taught me a serious lesson, which I already kind of knew from observing the, the errors of Judeo-Christians, but even we could be susceptible to it. So, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question, brought that issue up. Thank you, brother. Love you. Well, I hope we don't have too many prolonged moments of silence. <laughs> We're just getting started. I had an issue I wanted to bring up, Bill. Sure, Joe. And it's, you know, I just got here. So, greetings, brothers. Um, it's about the methodology we use in our school of CI and how we have different levels of proof. And so level one would be something we can prove definitively like the Israelites were white. And if you agree with us, just go to hell because you're wrong. <laughs> and that level requires multiple scriptural witnesses, um, Bible dictionaries, and we look at the manuscripts. So we want the Bible to, to make the doctrine for us. And so we can make, we can prove something in this category definitively. And so that's objective and reason-based reasoning. And then level two would be a plausible theory. See, we don't have a Bible verse that says this. We can't prove it definitively, but based on what we've got in the Bible, we can make a plausible theory about what we think likely happened or what could have happened. It's, it's valid. And you can, there can be disagreements on this issue, but it's still objective and reason-based. We just can't prove it. So that would be an example of that would be the animal-angel hybrid theory, which a lot of people subscribe to. I, do, I don't personally um, subscribe to that theory. I, I have some other ideas. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but that's a plausible theory. I accept it's a plausible theory. So there's not going to be a big argument. I can accept that people have a valid opinion on that. Then level three would be an idea like space aliens. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us if there's space aliens out there. It's just an opinion. It's not important to doctrine because only level one, the only things we can prove can make doctrine. But this, you know, we're not going to make a doctrine about space aliens, okay? And this stuff is just subjective or feelings-based. It's not on reason. that We have no reason to believe that there's aliens out there. It's not based on objective reasoning from the book. And then there's level four, which is something that contradicts the Bible, is contradicted by the Bible. And um, it's a pet theory. It's not a valid theory. All the other th theories you could say are valid. You know, you could say, you know, I can't re necessarily say there aren't any space aliens out there. You know, it's not important to me. This level four would be something that actually contradicts the Bible, like the sixth and eighth day, eighth day creation theory. And this is also subjective. It's feelings based. It's not based on reason. It's not based on, you know, objective truths. And so this is our basic methodology. And I think, I believe that this methodology keeps, you know, unity between brothers. I think it's a masculine way to think about things. I think it's a part of Aryan culture. Our, you know, it's it's the way the white man thinks. 
and and so you've got those two you've got these you've got four categories there but you've also got two categories as well because one the first two are objective and reason based and the second category is subjective it's subjective or it's based on feelings or you know i just want i just want to feel that the space aliens out there you know i watch star trek you know <laughs> I, I like star trek you know i want to i want to believe that there's aliens out there just like star trek well, well no, Joe. You won't get an argument out of me. Why am I? Well, it's something I learned from you, Bill, and it's the way I approach things now. And it's it's really, it really gives you that independence so that you can study the Bible for yourself. You know, and you can you can um, you can stand up and against sophistry when someone tries to present sophistic arguments. You can defend our school of CI against these kinds of um, intrusions. And and the thing I see sometimes is, you know, with newer guys who come in or, you know, people who come into our school from perhaps another school is they'll try and take a, um, make a doctrine out of a level four um, theory, like, like something that actually contradicts what we know from the Bible. They'll come to us and try and make it doctrine. So they're trying to make it a, le- a level four to a level one and when we reject it because it's sophist and they'll use sophistic arguments to try and make it like they, they don't have any bible witnesses they don't have a bible dictionary they haven't gone to the manuscripts and they'll come to us and try and use sophistic arguments to turn a level four pet theory into a level one this is solid doctrine and if you reject it they're offended you know one a couple of examples is um an old school ci sorry bob what you said what were you saying brother yashua yeah yeah well yeah that's (laughs) that's a great example bob yeah the kryptonians where's that in the bible And then if you tell the guy that he's got he's he's got what are you talking about? You know you did is true. Oh, Jarrell, Jarrell, so mad. Yeah, and he's got like pictures of the Kryptonian language, and he'll compare Kryptonian to ancient Hebrew, and we're supposed to believe that. Oh yeah, okay, that proves it. You know that's <laughs> that's doctrine now. That's what we're going to start teaching now on Christogenia is that um Kryptonian all this. Another another good one is um, humorism. Someone tried to introduce humorism, claim that that was in the Bible, and I can't see any proof of that in the Bible. Now, now, oh, now it, it's humor, all right. Request. It's, it's, it's humor, all right. Humor. That was a joke. But I don't know why people think that they that they can show up at Christogenia and try to change us or change me. It's not going to happen. The the methodologies I have and and the the approach to scripture I have came with with years of study. It was developed probably 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 early on through dealing with um, Clifton and going back and forth about some of these important issues with Clifton and and with other friends. Um, I had a real good friend in Minnesota that's kind of fallen off, but I I miss him. I wish he'd be back. He was in southern Minnesota. I don't want to say where because I don't want to give up his identity in case he comes back, but he, he typed a lot of my translations for me. We went back and forth, the three of us, 
early on about Genesis um, chapter 2, Genesis chapter 1, the possibilities of the 6th and 8th day creation. And, and they helped me come along because I was um, taken up by Compare and Swift and those guys at that time. And, and when you hear something that you think makes sense, you still have to be willing to negotiate it and, and to see if it's really true and to prove it out. And, and the sixth and eighth day creation certainly is not true on, on so many levels, but it's easy to sell on a normie as it explains to a normie. It helps explain that the different races have different origins, but to teach a normie an error isn't good either. Because, 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 go ahead, Bill. Uh, well, well, because then you, you have another hurdle to get them over, right? And, and you're going to have arguments. If, if somebody, yeah, you know, people, people love mystery. They love secrets. And when they think they have some mysterious secret knowledge that nobody else has, they're going to own that. Well, Paul spoke about that, didn't he? He said they, they're going to try it. There's going to be so many teachers trying to sell lies. Yeah, but I, you know, yeah. I think think it think it's part of Aryan culture. You know, this 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 approach that we have to scripture that you've developed. You know, it doesn't just start with us. It it starts all the way back. You know, it's part of Hebrew culture. You you see Solomon reasoning in such a way that we use this objective reason-based approach and what that does is it keeps the bible in the proper position that it should be in you know where we respect the word of god and we we keep that as our authority and when sophistry comes along we can defend against it and um we have to defend against the sophists and when when these guys come to the normies and they you know teach sixth sixth and eighth day creation and they teach um you know, the beast cry mightily unto God. <laughs> and they've got like one verse to try and prove universalism. Well, that's sophistry. That's not, that's, that definitely doesn't hold up to level one, you know, multiple scriptural witnesses, a Bible dictionary, manuscripts, the Bible actually saying, you know, proving universalism. So they have to use sophistry and deceive our people. And, you know, I, I think we have to defend against that. And I'm, I, I think it's great that we do defend against that because it, it's white, you know, it's part of our culture, and we're User upholding the authority of the Bible, which is something we have to do. We can't, you know, allow feelings and sophistry and that to, to um, deceive us. The heart is deceitful above all things. We can't allow ourselves to go off the rails into all these um, heresies because um, someone's going to be offended when we reject humorism and say, look, that's not part of the Bible, and you're going to have to, you know, it's channel. just your opinion. Well, well, right, but over the years, I only tolerate so much. I, I try to be tolerant and, and to lead other people along, other men along, but when they come to Christogenia, but, but I mean, a lot of people have left angry because I wouldn't put up with their bullshit, like humorism. That that wasn't me that drove him off, but it would have been eventually if y'all hadn't beat me to it. And and, and um, crazy ideas like UFOs and and things like that. I, I mean, it's hard to prove something that you've never seen or disprove something that's never been seen. But for me to believe it, I would have to see it. And, and until, Until then, then, yeah, I've seen lights in the sky, but I I am not going to jump to a conclusion as to what they are. I, 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 
that you have seen UFOs, Bill. <laughs> yeah, well, um, usually the, it's sad, but usually the truth drives them off. Like, and it's sad that they just don't accept the truth and then they, they're driven off by their adherence to some clownish, you know, like why do you even want to believe that? What benefit is it? You know, is it, are you going to put it beside the words of Christ and elevate it to what Christ said? Is that your, it's like an idol or something. And it's kind of, you know, is it really as valuable to you as the word of Christ? And I, I don't understand it sometimes. But the question is, um, do you think everyone can learn this basic methodology? Because sometimes I think, you know, there are a lot of humble people among our kin who need guidance, you know, maybe there's leaders and maybe there's people who just learn and they're still learning and they don't assert any sophist arguments. They don't, they don't try and, you know, cause division. But then um, maybe some people, on the other hand, just can't understand logic or they don't have a, a perception of logic or they're not willing to learn a logical approach. I don't know. Maybe it's um, they don't, they're not humble well, well, yeah, a lot of it's a lack of humility because they think they have some special knowledge that they have to convince you of, like the clown with the humorism. I don't even remember who he was, but I remember him and I remember the thread and, and it was horrible, but he was gone by the time I could get to it. That being said, it's a good thing he was gone by the time I would get to it. I could get to it. I didn't have to waste time slamming, slamming him on it. it it's... um. That there were things that are matters of doctrine. Christ spoke about founding your house on a rock and it won't be washed away when the flood comes. So there are things that are matters of doctrine that we could prove through scripture, through the word of God, and, and the reality of life always corroborates them. Well, we could prove these things through scripture, through many witnesses, and... and in an unshakable manner that no other scripture proves to be wrong or conflicts with. And, and that should be our objective to hold those things as doctrine. And then there are areas of inquiry. And the areas of inquiry are always subjective, can never be proven totally right or totally wrong. And, and those areas are of inquiry are peripheral, and they should never cause divisions amongst us, ever. Even things like flat earth shouldn't cause divisions amongst Christians. The, the, um, the basic line is that if we love our brother, then we could set aside the areas of inquiry where we disagree as long as those areas of inquiry are outside of the things the scripture teaches us, the, the, the things that are um, empirical and, and the scripture should be upheld as being empirical. It is the word of God to the point where we must figure out some of the mistranslations and, and bad manuscripts. And when it, when it's upheld in multiple witnesses, then that's doctrine. There is no other doctrine. Yeah, and we should all be able to agree on those things and then allow, you know, disagreement on, oh, well, you think animal-angel hybrid, that's fine, that's a plausible theory, but we have to defend against sophistry. Well, right, and that's why I don't teach animal I, I mean, I joke about it here, but I don't teach animal-angel hybrid at all, and, and I don't teach anything that I can't 
put my finger on in an old manuscript. Even if it says in Enoch that the angels took all these animals, the fallen angels took all these animals and miscegenated them, that doesn't say that people resulted from them. So I don't go there. I don't try to make a doctrine out of um, certain Negroes coming from chimpanzees, even though they look like chimpanzees. Certain sheep coming from hippos, even though they look like hippos. And certain Negroes coming from, from gorillas, even though they look like gorillas. I don't try to make a doctrine out of that. And you know what, Bill? The things actually look like the aliens from the movies. So, you know, you could make a theory about, you know, being some sort of hybrid added by the aliens. They are from the white. But it's something we could sit and joke about, but it's not anything that we could teach for doctrine. You won't ever find it on the front page of Christogenia. There are things that we should leave alone. If we're going to be serious about confession, what we have to stick to our scriptures and the things we can prove. The doctrine is simply they didn't come from God. Yeah, exactly. That's all we can say definitively is creation, if you want to call it that, of the non-whites is outside God. It's not in the Bible. It's the, you know the Bible is the book of the race of Adam. They're outside that. They're outside that context. And if they're, exactly. if they're spoken about, they're spoken about as the evil outside our Adamic world. The land of Nod, right. The land of Nod outside the garden. That's the land of wandering. That's the land of sin. And, and that's where Cain went and got a wife. That, that's outside of what's important to us. And if Yahweh God wanted us to know it, that there would have been a Genesis chapter 52 or, or, or whatever. Yeah, he would have given us a way to prove it. He would have given us a way so that we could make a doctrine out of it. And he hasn't given us that because he doesn't want us making a doctrine out of this because, you know, we, it's not part of our religion and it's not part of what we Oh, you only know there'd be aliens who, who have a creator other than our own, an origin other than our own, and a destiny other than our own. That's all that's important. And that's what we must focus on. Origin and destiny. It's the whole story of the Bible. It ain't hard. <laughs> right. And then you have like Greek mythology, like Pan, right? Half man, half goat. Where that shit come from, right? It's, it's old shit, but where did it come from? It's not scripture, so we can't make doctrine out of it. It's an intriguing, plausible theory, J.D., you know, right, it's a theory right. that's intriguing. It, 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 is kind, it is valid. You know, you're entitled to it. And you're not trying to promote it as some sort of doctrine and get me to um, leave my religion. What? What? Sorry, JD. I said exactly. Yeah, well, brother, a lot of those ideas are really interesting. Like when people say the Aztecs, was a fallen angel civilization i always think yeah that you know that could be true but you know i can't make it a doctrine right because we can't prove it we have no scriptures to prove it but, but, it, not only the aztecs but the almacs and, and and the dogon and and whatever was in an in anatolia at catahoyuk before the adamic man 
arrived and other sites in Anatolia and, and in the Balkans. There's a lot of remnants of, of ancient civilizations that we could say, yeah, that was fallen angel civilization. And, and we could accept that being two seedline identity Christians to prove it. We can only prove through scripture that it wasn't part because of its antiquity, because of the apparent antiquity of some of those civilizations. We can only prove that it's not ours. Hey, Bill? Yes, Michael. Yeah, I just want to refresh something you said a few months ago in our, in our fun time, like we're having tonight, about the term fallen angel. It's such a catchphrase to hyper-literalist, you know, uh, things of that nature. But you and I had a conversation, and I think Mark was part of it, Don might have been part of it, where if we look at these fallen angels, not in a sense of falling out of the sky, like me as a pilot landing my airplane, but in a sense of more of an allegorical governmental fall to where these, quote, fallen messengers or fallen angels, they probably had hands, fingernails, toenails, and, you know, they look like we do. They walked up right like hominids, but they fell from a governmental realm of authority. It, I mean, well, well, okay, first, the, the first example is Adam. He, he fell. Right, he fell from a realm of dominion and authority, correct? He, he fell from the grace of God. Right. So falling from the grace of God, is, that's described as a fall. Right. I like that. I like that. See, that's why I like allegorical bent better than a hyper, you know, the old school CI where they've got everything falling out of the clouds typing, you know, where they hyper literalize it. And then they take Isaiah 14 and then they run rapid with that and Ezekiel 28 and they run rapid with that. Well, even Clifton bought into that early on. It took me a long time to, to get Clifton out of that mindset. He, he wrote papers that the angels, when they came to Earth, could, could have children somehow. He wrote papers on that. He, uh, I mean, even he was in that mindset. You know why? Because he was following Compare. It took me years to get him out of that mindset. I, I don't think I got him out of it until Pragmatic Genesis. Well, the question I have is, if they were Adamic people who fell, how did they create non-whites? Because the fallen angels, you know, the non-whites were created out of the corruption of the fallen angels. And I understand how a white man, you know, maybe the white man, you know, breeds with a chimp. That doesn't give you a nigger. So, I, <laughs> despite, yeah, there are some reasons to believe that niggers do have some commonalities with chimps, but I just don't understand how you can do a white man plus a chimp equals a nigger. So that's why I sort of have questions. About that. Yeah, you know what, Joe? Today, today, all over the world, there's not only white men, but Jews and, and Chinamen and, and other races in laboratories creating all sorts of abominations right now. Oh, boy, there it is. That's true. So am I am I going to make a doctrine that the fallen angels were scientists? No. In, in fact, the nation of Islam, those niggers teach that Yahweh was an evil black scientist that created white men. That's the nation of Islam. That's what Louis Farrakhan actually teaches his junior niggers. Oh, man. The heathen have always had the reverse angle. Like when we look at the pagan um, literature, it's... Always got it's always got verse angle from the Bible. Because, where it because the serpent is benef beneficent, 
Whereas we believe that the serpent is evil, so it's always got the opposite angle. The bottom line is it was probably some freaking Jew Kabbalah rabbi that taught that to Louis Farrakhan. Okay, I got a question. I got about this topic real quick. So the angels in uh, the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, they, ne they weren't necessarily angelic beings. They could have been some type of messenger of some sort. Well, oh, yeah, you know what? They looked like men. And, and, and they must have been pretty handsome men. They, they must have been pretty handsome men because of what those sodomites wanted to do to them. Well, angel in the Bible can be a man or it can be a celestial being. Well, it can be a man who is also a celestial being. Look at the transfiguration on the mount. We can't rule that out. So then, Bill, there's a oh. chance that those guys still had genitalia regarding law? Well, they wanted to have sex with them, right? Well, yeah. Well, well I, I mean, all they needed was buttocks. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Read the story. Genesis chapter 19, I think. You asked it, Ed. Now you're going to have to accept the answer. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually seen some, like a lot of... Yeah, you know, what they actually had under their clothing doesn't matter. It's what the sodomites thought they had over, under their clothing that matters, right? That's logical. It got that transgender back then, too? I hope not. But probably. <laughs> Wondering what it was. <laughs> Who knows what happened in Sodom, Don? It was, a, it was like what we have today. You know, that's what the Jews create wherever they go. It's sort of funny because this is exactly what I was writing on this afternoon with the Wisdom of Solomon, Chapter 10. <laughs> it's exactly what I already wrote this afternoon. If you look at Wisdom, Chapter 10, you'll see that he starts to talk about Sodom. And I, and I started likening, and, and he talks about the Tower of Babel and how they all spoke one language. And, and I started liking, likening that to the exact situation we're in now. The whole world is speaking English, and they're all a bunch of fucking sodomites. So, so we're in the same position now that they were in back then in the days of, of Abraham and Lot. The nations were confounded only a couple of hundred years before the time of Abraham. If you look at Genesis chapter 11. Mixed, confused. You know, Babylon means confusion, but it doesn't just mean, you know, confusion of the mind. It means mixing, you know, the races together. That's confusion. I think there's a verse about that, but I can't remember it. It says something like mixing is confusion. But Joe, well, anyway, your, your your point is very good, Joe, because it's the approach to scripture that's that that's important, and the ability to determine what could be proven and what could not, and to be able to set what cannot be proven on a back burner. That's important. I mean, I tell Melissa all that that all the time. We're talking, and then she'll say, "What about this? And what about that? And, and about situations in our life?" I say, "Melissa, you got to put that on the back burner and not make a decision about it when you don't have enough information." A really intelligent person will understand that he shouldn't come to immediate conclusions. That's why the scripture says to be, be quick to hear and slow to judgment. You put things on the back burner 
and, and leave them there until you have more facts. And, and sometimes that's things like UFOs, and, and sometimes it's like, is the old man down the street really a pedophile? So, so I mean, it, it that sort of methodology affects all, all, all aspects of your life. Yeah, and that's why with uh, Jesus, this will be apostles. He told them to not say anything until um, the prophecies are all fulfilled with like his death and resurrection after that they right. finally speak right that's right. an example that's right. what we have, what we have to, to be able to put on the, on the back burner we don't have all the facts and and there's a lot of things in in life and questions that identity christians have that are peripheral questions that we if the scripture doesn't give us a definite answer we have to relegate to the sidelines and, and cling to our doctrines that we know are true because they are the ones that most seriously affect our life and what's happening to us in the world today as, as a race. Hey, Bill, speaking of what you just said, can we take Deuteronomy 15, 18 to 21 and take these pretty pr with pretty strong, strong uh, uh, proof that they're more than likely pre-Adamites? Deuteronomy 15 verses 18 to 21. Yeah, if we could take those nations and those peoples more than likely as pre-Adamites. You're talking about Genesis 15, 18 to 21? Thank you. I made a mistake. Genesis 15, not Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Genesis, okay. Genesis. okay. Well, no, there were clearly several groups there that didn't come from Adam. One of them's cannot one of them's Kenites, right? Well, one of them is that the Kenites aren't mentioned in the Genesis 10 table of nations. And and another one is the um Kadmonites, and another one is the Kenizzites, and another one I think is the Girgashites. I, I mean some of these groups are listed in Genesis chapter 10, but not the Girgashites. So these people not having a genealogy with Noah, where did they come from? And and, and I, I especially like to point out the Zuzim, the roving creatures of Genesis 14, that aren't even mentioned in Genesis 15. And and then you had the Rephaim, who who are the, the, the giants that descended from the Anakim. Oh, I'm sorry, from the Nephilim. And, and they're the fallen ones. Yeah, I think uh can sort of extrapolate this of you say asians or even say blacks for an example like piece of a field some people say they can be negroes um but in some other people will say they're just simply not mentioned in the bible because they weren't in that region at the time well that's true i don't believe true i don't believe i don't believe that negroes are mentioned in the bible except for isaiah Chapter 41, verse 3, and, and for Jeremiah, where it says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? If you know what was happening in history, and this is verifiable history, at that time, that is when the Nubians invaded Ethiopia. Can an Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? And, and, and the Ethiopians, because they were invaded by Nubians and race mixed with them or were forced to race mix with them, well, Ethiopians had skin like leopards. They were half black, half white. You, you don't would you believe say, the would you Negroes say, at the beast of the field, though, Bill. You know, I'm the sorry, creation I'm sorry. of God, the beast of the field, that's not Negroes and non-whites. I don't believe that's that that I don't believe that's Negroes. No, not at all. 
and, and it, like a Neanderthal or something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was Identity Rapids? Identity Revolution. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, no. I, as far as I have read about stuff like that, is it could have been maybe a, a late-term Neanderthal or um, some other hominid, which was not exactly human. Well, well, yeah. well, well, yeah, there were other hominids in the area. I, I mean, I don't know if I want to call them Neanderthal. I would rather call them um, people that were mixed from the Rethane. That, that's what I'd rather call them. Roving branches. Yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. And, 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 unto God, though, you know, if he didn't create them. Well, well, if you look at Isaiah chapter, I, I think it's chapter 43. And it's about Yahweh giving up. It's Isaiah 43, verse 3. And, and he says, For I am Yahweh thy God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. And when you look at when Isaiah wrote, he started writing in the 740s bc and he wrote down to the time of hezekiah and he probably wrote these last 25 chapters after the time when assyria invaded judah and besieged jerusalem on and between that time and the time when hezekiah died is when i'm certain isaiah wrote these 25 chapters and where it says i and that's from like 690 701 to 698 bc in there and where it says i gave past tense egypt for thy ransom Ethiopia and sheba for thee speaking to the children of israel well if you look at history it's right around 750 bc 50 years before isaiah wrote that the nubians invaded those places so who did Yahweh give those countries to, those Adamic nations? Who did he give them to? He didn't give them to his friends. He didn't give them to other beings that he created. He gave them to niggers. Gave them up to the enemy. That's what I. That, that's the only way to read that. He gave them up to the enemy. I don't see any other way to understand that. And that's exactly what happened at that time. It could be established right on Wikipedia. I mean, I hate to turn to Wikipedia, but if Wikipedia says that the Nubians invaded Egypt and, and Ethiopia at, at that time, and, and you match that up with Isaiah, it's right there. I mean, we know that from other ways, from Egyptian history, from the histories of the Black Pharaohs and things like that, but it's right there. He gave those lands. The, you, you see, the children of Israel were going to appeal to those nations. Those nations couldn't come to help them because they had a nigger problem. And that's how the niggers became kings. Yeah, right. For a little while. It didn't last long. It didn't last long. It never last long with them. Right. Hey, Bill, real quick. Bill, I got a question for you on Isaiah 60. Okay. Starts out in verse 3. It says, And the nation shall come to your light. And then it goes down to verse 5. I'm in the reading my New King James. And the wealth of the nation shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your hand. Verse 8. And the dromedaries of Midian, Ephah, Sheba, Kedar, Naboth, 
And then verse 8, surely the coastland shall wait for me. Tarshish. Foreigners. Verse 10, foreigners. And then the next one, and their knees shall minister, in, and their kings shall minister to you my wrath. My question is this, Bill, and also verse 11, the nations, or Gentiles, for wealth of the nations. My question is, in Isaiah 60, if you take like the fulfilled view or even the uh, historicist view, will these, these nations at the time of Paul and Christ, when the Romans existed and the Galatai existed, would these could these nations been those guys, Anglo-Saxon Israel, nations that assimilated with the seed of Abraham through Jacob and Isaac and Jacob? Well, well, no, no, no. The nations it's talking about are listed in Isaiah chapter 66, right? I mean, there weren't any chapter divisions in Isaiah. The subject doesn't change from 60 to 66. Okay, but my question is, are these nations... They're, they're all the Adamic nations of, of Europe and Mesopotamia and Central Asia, but they are. Okay, but that's what they still were at the time of Paul and Christ when Paul and Peter were doing their journeys? No, by the time Paul and Peter were doing their journeys, the children of Israel had become predominant in all, all of those places. Okay, so the children of Parthians, Israel... Scythians, Romans... The children of Israel became predominant. Macedonians all came from the children of Israel. Right, and they absorbed the remnant of what was of these nations of Genesis 60 to 66, is what you're saying. Well, right. All the other Adamic nations during that time virtually disappeared. So there's only two ways it could have disappeared, Bill, either through miscegenation or through absorption amongst the uh, Israelite nations. Well, well, you know, where did, where did people of Tarshish were Jepethites that, that actually had a, a notable um, mercantile business in, according to Herodotus, in southern Spain before the Trojan War. But by the Roman period, that was all Iberia. And, and the, that there was no Tardises. The, the, the Tardises Japethites had lost their identity. And, and it's the same thing with most of the Ionians. In Anatolia, and, and even except for maybe the Athenians, by the time of Christ, most of them had lost their identity as Ionians. They lost their distinct national identity because they were subsumed first by Persians and then by Macedonians and, and that they really weren't a nation of their own anymore. And by the time of Christ, the, the children of Israel, tribes which came from the children of Israel, had dominated the world. The, the Scythians, the, the Galatahi in the West, if you want to call them that, and, and the Parthians and, and the Romans, that they, they, they dominated the world. Okay, well, that helps because there's only two. There were no more Assyrians. There were no more Medes. Medes were never identified again after the after the Hellenistic period. They really had no identity of their own, the Assyrians either. No, that, that clears it up because then there's we're left with only basically two places in the New Testament where Paul, Acts 14 and Acts 17, is where Paul's identifying these, these He's singling out 
what the the remnant of what's left of maybe identified as Adamic nations, right? Those only two right. places. And, and he's actually he he is singling them out as Adamites who are not Israel in those two places, and that's the Lycaonians and the Athenians who were Ionians. Right, because the rest of the time Paul's addressing the term nations, whether it's Romans or Galatians, Bill, it sounds like Paul's identifying them as the lost tribes of Israel. Except well, yeah, right. That's Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, I, I just talked about this last week with, with Truth Vids on 100 Proofs, right? And, and probably 28 other times in recent years. Um, Romans chapter 4. That's exactly what Paul's teaching in all of those places and, and others where, where he's not so explicit. Right. So that basically, Bill, the whole New Testament, Paul's letters, the only place he draws a contrast would be Acts 14, Acts 17. He identifies a remnant of Adamic people in contrast to the word nations, Gentiles, and the rest of his letters pretty much identifies them all as the seed of Abraham. Right. Okay. I'm trying to simplify this. I'm thinking because these passages are heavy, heavy universalistic. They twist these passages. No, 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 they do that because they don't believe what the things say. They don't believe the real meanings of the words. So they use sophistry to try and undermine the truth. Yeah, they basically do. Like they change. Deuteron I mean, I'm sorry. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 clearly says the faith is not for all. Period. That's all it says. The King James Version says not all men have faith. And, and they only put, they add two words to it to pervert the meaning. And they actually, re, they, they actually flip the subject and the object of the sentence by doing that. In doing that, they reverse the subject and the object. And they add two words which don't exist in the text to do that. Because that's the only way they can understand it. They can't understand that the faith is not for everybody. That just blows springs in their brains. Right. And Bill, the best paper in all the years I've known you and Clifton, the best paper I ever read on that was that 19 or 20 page letter to Dave Barley before Dave Barley came around to our camp, you know, years ago. And you really. Oh, oh, Dave Barley ain't in our camp. Don't say that. Well, he may have backed off a little of his nigger loving, but he ain't in our camp. Okay. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I did talk to Martha a few months back, and there are separat separatists now, according to her. But well, well, he'll be in our camp when they invite me to their forum, but I probably ain't going. Yeah, but get, just complimenting the letter you wrote to him. Remember, the, and I got like four copies of that letter. I've got it on my stick. That is the best letter on that Second Thessalonians 3.2. It's anointed. It's the best. I don't even remember talking about it then, but that's all right. Yeah, this is what three pages. Your commentary on that. I mean, it it was academic, the best I've ever read. Scholarly work on that. I don't remember it, and and I've never posted it online. I, I've been meaning to. It's been on my desktop for years. It's sitting on my desktop for years. The, the original typeset version by Clifton, but I never posted it. it it's on Israel Elect. I. It was on Israel like years before I got out of prison, right? So I didn't put it there. It, um, the creator of Israel like put it there for Clifton. Maybe he's just read the document. Speaking of that, is Willie Martin still around? He's dead, long dead. He got he passed before I got out of prison.
Oh, and and if he didn't pass before I got out of prison, I would upbraided him for being a plagiarizer. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you um, know workman is what you know, his wage, right? I, I mean, I don't care that people share my work all over the place, but please contribute it to me. Don't make, don't make like it's yours. Don't make like it's yours. I mean, I don't expect you to attribute every little sentence to me, but if you take one of my papers and you copy it and you send it out to everybody, but you remove my name from it, that's what Willie Martin did. So everybody thinks Willie Martin's this great teacher. When I got out of prison, I looked at some of the stuff Willie Martin wrote, and I was like, hold it. Clifton wrote that. Oh, and Clifton wrote that. Oh, and Clifton wrote that. What the hell? And everybody thinks Willie Martin wrote it. And that's just wrong. Because, because that doesn't point people to other things that Clifton wrote. Um, Mr. Fink, um, I have, have a query. I have a mate of mine who, uh, he was good, but until recently, he uh, fell away from the faith. And I think he like must have read something, some pagan propaganda, which has sort of pushed him away a bit. And he uh, specifically said that uh, he completely reject, uh, rejects. Oh. I'm sorry, you cut out. He rejects what? What he wrote to me. Um, he said that Peter didn't contribute to the Bible. And he says there is a record of a rabbinical council of Galilee sending him to infiltrate the disciples. And the only religious writing which matches his writing style is a rabbinic prayer. Um, not the parts of a Bible alleged to have been written by him. So I, yeah, I feel like he's just read some straight up propaganda, which is uh, like, I've never seen that before ever. And yeah, I'm just like, one letter sending. I'm, I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. I missed a, a letter. I missed the subject. A letter send, sending who to infiltrate? He said that St. Peter didn't contribute to the Bible. He says, okay, this is exactly what he says here. He says, there is record of the rabbinical council of Galilee sending him to trade the disciples. Sending, and the sending who? Um, I'm guessing Peter. Sending Peter to infiltrate the disciples. That's you probably mean Paul then. Um, Griffin. Well, my mate wrote Peter, but I mean it could be Paul. He could be referencing. But then he then says, and the only religious writing which matches his writing style is a rabbinic prayer and not the parts of the Bible alleged to have been written by him. No, that's, no, that's all bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, uh, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of propaganda, man, you know, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, I'm just like trying to just give him like all the proof to disavow that absolute like lies. But it's well, well, you know, there's an old English saying, the proof is in the pudding, and it's true. And it takes, and it takes years of study to be able to withstand the bullshit. Yes. It, it sounds like a Jewish fable to me, like that story about how Thomas, was it, went to India? And you say, well, where is that in the Bible? And so universalist Judaism will come, no, no, um, even though Paul didn't go to any of these niggers, chinks, Arabs, um, Thomas did. Thomas went to India. <laughs> and it's just a story that was made up. So that's what that sounds like. It, it yeah, could be some, it, yeah, Gnostic, it, some Gnostic bullshit. It could be, who knows where it comes from, but it's not in the yeah. Bible, is it? And it's, it's probably just some Jew nonsense, like on a disavow some writings, especially if it's probably controversial um, stuff, then they'll be like, oh, you know, like this is actually wasn't written by 
um, by Paul or Peter, whoever it is. And I mean, the only thing I can say that to say to that is like possibly he could have had a person write for him in some sections. Like he could have narrated to a person to write down, as some people do. Who knows? Luke wrote for him. Other of his companions wrote for him. Paul wrote for Paul. I'm sure Peter probably had the same thing happen. But um, it, it also sounds kind of like the Romans wrote the Bible theory, and it's something that can't be proven either way. So it's obviously um, a lie designed to. And it's like Zeitgeist. You know, the Kikes made that movie documentary called Zeitgeist, where they claim that um, Jesus was in all these old religions and that um, Christianity just plagiarised. It sounds like it's that level of, you know, bullshit, of that level of lies. And and anyone can make up any theory like that and just um, try and throw the Bible in the garbage. But we have to withstand that because, yeah. I mean, yeah. how's he going to prove that? Can he prove that, you know, Thomas went to India or that? It's just nonsense. Can he prove... That the road, and it doesn't even make sense. How yeah, I'm, the yeah, road mate, I'm sorry, mate. I'm barely, barely. <laughs> well, but yeah, it's yeah, it seems completely. Yeah, it's just it's nonsense, and it's like non-provable in any um, literary regard. Like, there's literally no proof at all um, of any of that in no text, even outside of a Bible. There's no historical proof of that. It's just, yeah, as you said, gnostic garbage. But the refutation the refutation to those things are in I mean don't admire all the early Christian writers as good interpreters of scripture right but I do understand their importance when it comes to the history of early Christianity and you don't find those things in the early Christian writers. And, and, you, and, and you can't assume that pre early Christian writer had the wool pulled over his eyes concer concerning any of the apostles or what ended up in scripture. When you read Peter, when you read Paul, when you read Jude, and you study their writing and know enough about the Old Testament to understand how what they're saying fits in, you'll know that they're true. Yeah. Exactly. But that's a long study. It, it, I don't expect anybody to do that in anything short of five years or ten. Bill, I got a quick question for you. And it, on uh, Jesus Christ, this is called the Description of Jesus Christ, Appendix B in the back of Cap's book, The Resurrection Tomb, a letter from Publius Lentrillus. I don't accept those letters as being authentic. I do accept them as being good representations of what people also always knew of Christ and the apostles. Okay, and this is. But I don't accept them as authentic to the period. Okay, because it says it first appeared, this letter first appeared in the writings of St. Anselm of Canterbury in the 11th century. In yeah, the 11th, 11th century, thank you. I don't accept it. it, it, it okay. Okay, but can't, as far as the description of Jesus, the way this letter is describing him, you know, his forehead, large, imposing, his cheekbones without spot or wrinkle, his red, his redness of his nose, his mouth formed with the... Yeah, well, that, they just believed that Christ was an ideal white man, and, and they wrote propaganda to show it. Okay. Okay. Okay, so this letter here in the back of Calf's book, just kind of take it as a grain of salt. Yeah, I don't accept it as I don't accept it as an authentic letter from an authentic Roman. I don't. 
Yeah, there's a similar thing like the um, echo volume, which yes. Uh, yes. I made and I did some research in that and found like it was just a complete fraud. There's no like historical evidence of that. There's no connections there. That's and why That's why you don't find it on my website. Exactly. I've already, I've already been there and done that. I'm, I'm glad you came to the conclusion independently. I, I am. But that's why you don't find it at Chris again. Yes, exactly. Oh, that'd be rough. Yeah, mate. What's up? Yeah, yeah mate. I was just um, like, I know it's a bit off topic, but I just was wondering what sort of everyone here like thinks about like COVID because I don't any ref says it's real and stuff. And I don't, I don't think it's real. Well, I mean, no, I, want... I only said it because I had it and I gave it well, to basically. Well, well, yeah, mate, but the oh. tests aren't accurate. Obviously not yeah. real. I, it's accurate. Let me say that the, the disease might be real, the virus might be real. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not going to profess to know, but the hype is a hoax, and I wrote that back last year. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's completely like over dramatized. To it's just a political play. I, they're, they're, I can't yeah. believe how no one sees. A lot of people don't see that it's just another Jewish social revolution, like what happened in the 19th in Russia. And people who are supposed to be nationalist um, and are supposed to be on guard drop the ball, like Hunter Wallace. <laughs> right. Hunter Wallace totally dropped the ball on that. But I, and you know, it, I put a publication on the Christianity Forum, Hype was a hoax, the very same day, March 13th, that Trump declared a national emergency. Yeah. Oh, can I say something about Corona? Uh, okay, so living in Canada, we have a lot of uh, flu, you know, this time of year and uh, in spring. Okay, so I don't know any one person that's been diagnosed with the flu this year. Every single person that has flu symptoms gets diagnosed with Corona. It actually just happened to my sister two days ago. And, well, that's uh, fine, but Corona is just the flu. Right, but that's my yeah, point, it, is that it used to be that Statistics Canada, which is a government uh, department, agency would come up with flu statistics and it would be in the press throughout the year. Like so many, like eight and a half thousand people died in Canada of the flu in 2018. And so far they're claiming that 13,000 have died this year of Corona and, and the year is almost up. So it's not a big deal, even if that were correct, but I know it's not because they're attributing deaths that aren't really, you know, Corona deaths, right? Not wholly or just singly from Corona. But it just—it's funny to me that nobody has the flu anymore. <laughs> Everybody's got Corona if they if they have those symptoms. Well, well, well you know, my approach, my, my approach to the coronavirus, what was is, is the same approach I take to the Bible, right? I'm sitting in the friggin' backwoods of Florida. I can't tell you whether a virus actually exists or not. I don't have any empirical evidence to prove it one way or another. But I can see how the um, political agitation began to, to get people into the coronavirus fear porn. And with that, I can determine that the hype is a hoax. And that's what I said in my very first post on the coronavirus back last March, that the hype was a hoax. I never said the virus was a hoax. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. My, my, I've taken that, um, the Canadian bloke in here is... Uh, from my knowledge of epidemiology is like yes it is questionable that it is completely like outrolling all flu symptoms as covid well it does like in epidemiology within the first year in a normal case 60 of the previous strain is overtaken by the new strain but 
there's still a 40% amount, which is still the old strain. So it's yeah. very questionable. And I wouldn't trust the Canadian government in any regard. Well, no, of course not. But I just mean that like, another thing too is, okay, so it was originally called the new coronavirus because there's been many coronaviruses for the last like 10, 15, 20 years. Yep. Right, and, and and that was a influenza strain. There's like I think six or eight different strains. Well, no, so, it's not a strain of influenza. It's a separate. It's SARS, basically. Okay, okay, but I okay, I thought that that was a strain as well. But in any case, it's been around, and this is just the newest version of it. Whether or not it was manufactured or it's natural or whatever, there isn't any. It's it's uh, you know, like my sister, for example, got it two days ago, right? Or they told her, well, she went to the doctor because she has a runny nose and a scratchy throat. That's her symptoms. You know, it's like, okay, right. yeah, it's November in, in Canada, right? What do you want? Oh, right. Right. Oh, right. Anyone think it's weird how the solution to everything is communism? Like, we've got this new problem, global warming. What's the solution? Communism. We've got this new problem, coronavirus. What's the solution? Communism. It's right. almost right. like all reality warrants communism. And, you know, it's just the way of the universe, communism. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope well, uh, communism can solve my car problems because my car won't start every now and then. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. communism is going to cut your car up and split it with a bunch of niggers. <laughs> yeah, just, just yeah. Starve, starve your oh, car with my... Yeah, what's up? Yeah, You'll get to you David. Yeah, yeah. 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 people talking at once. Right. However legitimate it is, is debatable, obviously. But the point is that they're using it as a tool. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be wise towards that. Like, we need to second guess everything in a way. It is a tool, but it's amazing. It, it really is amazing how many prongs they have in, in order to um, use this tool to make war against us. Yet you see these old men in, in the grocery store, they're wearing masks. They're wearing masks because their pastors told them that it's conscionable that they're, that they're considerate of others if they wear a mask. So they believe they're pastors and they wear a mask. It's like we're surrounded, Bill, but you know, the um, camp of the sense, we're surrounded by all these ideologies and um, the, the Jews are throwing everything they can at us. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, by the signs of a system, it'll hopefully collapse on themselves in time. Maybe that will be the perfect timing for Jesus' return. Oh, then oh, yeah. Is it all right if you just sort of just like check your messages? Because you sort of just <laughs> ignore me and it's a bit inappropriate. Uh, okay, this is an actual podcast that's going to be recorded, right? So let's keep it on topic. <laughs> um, I'd say any time a... that these things are used as they are, I always see it as a, another crack in Babylon because they always take it to the nth degree and it always ends up failing on them in some way. Sorry, I interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, well, absolutely. But, yeah, you know, when I drive down the highway and I look at all these people driving in their cars alone with masks on, and this has been going on for eight months now, it, it's disheartening. It, it's like we're just screwed. It, it's that, I mean, I'm confident that that interpretation of the Bible is correct, but, damn, it better be happening quick because there's no hope for most white people. Well, yeah. it's, it's part of a psychological war, Bill. You know, so we're, we're surrounded, like the Camp of the Sands isn't just surrounded by these beasts, it's also surrounded by their lies and their ideologies, 
and it's part of a psychological war. And if if a guy like Hunter Wallace can't stand against it because he's not a true Christian, what hope do any of the normies have? If none of these nationalists are able to stand against this psychological warfare, what hope do normies have? None. Right. And and Hunter Wallace, there there are not a lot of League of the South members that I know that have given into this, but quite a few have. I, I mean, at least half a dozen have given into this hook, line, and sinker, and it, it's really, like, disheartening when I see all these white people that are driving down the highways in their cars with all the windows rolled up and, and they have masks on, That then it, it's just like we don't have a hope in hell if we had to do it ourselves. We're gone. That there ain't no way we're going to overcome the beast. So, so that Bible better be true, and, and that knock better be right around the corner. I mean, I'm not saying tomorrow or next year, but I don't know how many more generations we can go on when when 95% of us are just caving in and complying 100%. Right. No hope without God. No hope without Yahweh. Nope. Yeah, it just shows how many of us don't for ourselves, including, like you said, so-called white nationalists like Hunter Wallace. He's a damn cop. I mean, I like Hunter Wallace. I know him personally, but he's a cop. That's funny. That was one of the things I was talking about when all this crap started was you, you can never exactly tell, you know, where people lie in their mentality and their thinking and whatnot. And then when the masks came out, it's like, oh, well, now I have a visual cue of everyone that, that conforms yeah, to this. It's like, well, now I know. <laughs> That's so true, brother. It's like a litmus test. You know exactly yeah, where. Yeah. Actually, the same thing happened with the, the gay marriage vote in Australia. I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't go- who hate them. They're not going to vote for this. It's gay marriage, get real. And then you find out, you know, I don't have a Facebook account. Somehow I saw that a lot of people in my neighborhood had like gay marriage flags, like they're supporting gay wow, marriage. Wow. And you think this country just deserves to go to Whoa. Whoa, my ears. Okay, I think Florida man tried to say something. I, I don't know. I want to give him an opportunity. No, that, that, that was, I don't think that was me. No, no, it wasn't. Okay. Okay. Just saying, go ahead and go ahead. No, no, I was, no, no, I was just saying, yeah. I, I don't know what that was. Is that Dasho? I know Dasho had a couple of good subjects. I don't know if he he wants to. I did have, hey, I did have a quick. Uh, How's it going, bro? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just don't want to make it the damn COVID show. Screw that. We don't need. <laughs> yeah. We don't need COVID. Yeah. I was just wondering, um, I don't know with the shaver, because it was kind of disrespectful. Like, because it actually hurt my ears a bit. That actually hurt my ears a bit, so, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I don't know what you mean, but you're all right. If you, if you don't want to you know, do the show, Bill, I've got something I'd like to talk talk about real quick. Go ahead. You're up. You're up. Uh, so, a while back, I'm sure you remember, uh, you made a podcast series called The Arab Question. I believe it was, you started publishing it in on uh, February of 2019. Yep. And, lost uh, half my listeners. Yeah, you, you told me that you lost about half your listeners, which I guess just huh. confirms what we already know, which is that the alt-right is full of racist Mexicans. <laughs> but um, I thought you might be interested in some vindication. Because I know, I know vindication is very sweet, especially when the world decides to uh, trash you for it. 
So absolutely, I've got two different sources here that are talking about the same thing, and I'd like to read you the articles, if you don't mind, real quick. I think Ready? you might find them very interesting. This You're first welcome. one is from ChristiansForTruth.com. Uh, okay, they don't they don't like either, but that's okay. That's we'll okay. go. Yeah. Not they, many people do. People do, but um, Israel to create new holiday to celebrate hundreds of millions of Hispanics worldwide with Jewish ancestry. A new law proposed the Israel Knesset would create an official Memorial Day for the victims of the Inquisition who fled <laughs> Spain and Portugal for the new world where they were instrumental in creating the Mestizo race. Created by the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages to root out heresy, the Inquisition brutally persecuted Spanish Jews who had been forcibly converted to Christianity, but continued to practice Judaism in secret, becoming known in Hebrew as Anusim, forced ones. The law was proposed by member of Knesset Michael Coulter Wunsch, who would create a day to commemorate the victims of the Inquisition, which would be held on November 1st, the date of the Spanish Inquisition was formally established in 1478. Co-signatories of the bill include Knesset members from most of Israel's major parties, including the governing Likud party. The day will be marked with educational activities that will teach the history of the Spanish crypto-Jews, as well as the mass expulsion of Jews from Spain and Portugal. Knesset discussions of the issue will also be held. In addition, the Minister of Diaspora Affairs will host an... Why the hell does the Diaspora have a Minister of Affairs? Whatever. The Minister of Diaspora <laughs> Affairs will host an official state ceremony to mark the occasion. Coulter Wunsch said of the a proposed law... This bill will create a day of memory and reminder in the Knesset for us to recognize this tragic event in our collective history and learn from it in order to ensure never again in a world of again and again. <laughs> it also provides us with an opportunity to connect with the descendants of those affected by the Spanish Inquisition in Israel and in the diaspora based on our shared history and the values, end. she added. David Hatchwell, president of the Fundacon Hist I can't pronounce this, the the Fundacion Banjudio, Hispangiodia, the Hispanic Jewish Foundation, which promotes I'm sorry, I don't speak Spanish, which promotes ties between Jews in the Hispanic world. Why do they need that organization the spanish-speaking world whether in spain or in latin america is gaining a greater understanding of its common root culture and tradition with the jewish people wow the inquisition was a dark chapter for humanity and both our people's history he added it should be remembered as pure religious fanaticism and intolerance <laughs> Nevertheless, we should use these historic events to chart a more positive future between the Spanish-speaking world and the Jewish people based on respecting diversity, emulating the modern state of Israel, he said. Ashley Perry, <laughs> who leads the organization Reconnectoir and helped the author of helped author the bill commented there are tens if not hundreds of millions of people around the world who have both Jewish and Hispanic ancestry and the Inquisition played a major role in the disconnection of our peoples. This law is a vital recognition of a reign of terror, which still has a great effect on so many people even today, many without knowing, he said. This day of commemoration will hopefully not just be for Israelis or even just for Jews, but for all those whose ancestors were hunted, tortured, and persecuted by the Inquisition. 
Bro! This is, this is simply insane. Like, I swear, Bell bring anything in history, any, like, uh, genocide or whatever in history, and well, then say, everything oh, Everything has to revolve around them. Yeah, well, it's I'm, I'm about give... them. Like, it's not even about, like, the Mexicans anymore. It's just like, oh, because we're mixed with them, therefore it's relevant, you know? And I'm, oh. oh, oh right, you're right. You're, you're right. That, that's true. You're right. And I'm vindicated in my Arab question. I knew that anyway, right? I know I'm right in the Arab question podcast. But right because I studied I studied the history of the Inquisition. But I thought you might really enjoy this, Bill. Yeah, I do enjoy it. But now I will look like the conservative because I, my my remarks about the degree to which Jews and, and so-called Hispanics were mixed were actually quite measured compared to those articles. Yes. And in fact, there's I'm not going to read all of it because I'm not going to waste too much time, but there's there's more information in these in these two articles. I may only just read the one. The other one is basically the same article again on algemenor.com, which is promoted Nesset Law would create a memorial day for victims of the Inquisition. But in both of these, the articles cite some numbers and one survey. So they're openly admitting that that the mestizo population is full of crypto Jews at this point. But one survey has claimed that 25% of Latinos have some Jewish ancestry, but the actual numbers oh, are estimated least. to be much, much higher. And another study that Latinos. they've conducted. I'm sorry, what? I said six, six million Latinos. <laughs> <laughs> and another study showed that over 4,000 Spanish Mexican surnames were common among those with some Jewish ancestry. So that was doubted. I, I mean, I would not doubt it one bit. I, I, I really don't doubt it. Yeah, I, I mean, know. Jews are pretty prominent all over Latin America. I mean, just just the way, just like over here, how you find them in the top positions in media, corporate America. It's the same exact thing over there. So you have, I mean, you have the cryptos and all that, but there, it's it's the same thing. There's just it's it's just more it's just worse it's it's the preview of what they would do to North America if you know Canada and United States if they had the chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I read well, it I first read it again, yeah. But I, but I, really I, I just wanted to bring that up for you, Bill, because I thought you might enjoy. I knew you knew you were right, and I also knew you were right because of my own historical studies into the period. But I thought you might appreciate them just flat out admitting, actually, yes, that's true. No, oh, Dash, I, I really do appreciate that. I appreciate you bringing that here tonight, and, and I'm just going to gloat for a minute. <laughs> The twenty five hundred, the twenty five hundred people that stopped listening to my podcast after I did that series can kiss my white ass. There, there, there are a bunch of Mexican Nazis in denial, and it's very sad. So, or like, can I speak here for just a second on something here? So, like, you know, I grew up as a carpenter with my father before I became an electrician, and um, I started seeing all these fucking in, uh, invasions of all these Mexicans taking over all the trades and the white man was starting to sell out the white man's job to the Mexicans, you know what I'm saying? But these fucking Mexicans, man, let me tell you something about these motherfuckers. I hate them. I hate them with every fucking thing I got, right? Like, these motherfuckers stink. They, they're nasty on a fucking job. They can't do no work, work shit. And they worship the fucking Virgin Mother Mary as if they want to rape the fucking woman. You know, so they got eyes of adultery, and these motherfuckers believe in the Pope. So you want to talk about an inquisition, which is the words you brought up. 
just on the contrary. You see my point? These motherfuckers are fucking brainwashed and they hate our fucking guts. So there you yeah, have it. I love have to it. hate. I love to hate JD. You know, God bless you for hating them. Um, but um, it isn't isn't um the the Catholic Church really big in Mexico? I remember um guy who made that greatest story never told. He did one part on how the Mexicans were on Catholics and how they were being persecuted and slaughtered and how sad it was. I think he called them the Christos. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know I, I, I love Dennis Wise, and, and, he and he does a lot of good work, but he's still a Catholic at heart, and, and I hope to change him from that one day. I don't know if it's going to happen in this lifetime, but I've been trying. I hope, yeah, because he is a good guy, but when I saw that episode on the Mexicans, you know, that, you know, that was disheartening. But then recently he did a show with you, so I'm, I'm hoping that he starts to um, move away from universalism and not empathize with Mexicans. Well, well I'm not going to say a whole lot, but Dennis needs our prayers right now. He's been battling some illness, and he seems to be, from what I've been told, he seems to be recovering, but so he does need our prayers. But I would love to change him from that. Catholic mindset, that's what happens when a man puts church before God and doesn't inquire into what the word really says. The Orthodox people do that too. You know, like that um, Florian Gayas, is that his name? Florian Gayer, yes, that's his name. That's the official pronunciation. When he debated Sven Longshanks, every response, every you know, refutation he tried to come up with against Sven was the church doesn't teach that, the church doesn't teach that, and it, and that's not a real refu your refutation. That's not a real valid argument. It's not a valid argument at all when you're when you're arguing the merits between Christian identity and orthodoxy. It's not a valid argument at all. Orthodoxy should have um, a, a biblical narrative, a narrative from Scripture that proves us wrong. That, that's better than a from scripture, not just a narrative that they made up. That fucking faggot, Florian Geyer, he wouldn't talk to me. He had the opportunities to talk to me on Twitter. He talked to Sven, but he would never talk to me. Screw him. He's a girl as far as I'm concerned. And, and if I ever saw him, if I ever saw him, I would treat him like a girl. But I wouldn't have sex with him. <laughs> Nothing wrong with girls. But, you know, girls are probably thinking right now, don't call him a girl. We're better than him. <laughs> yeah, well, most of the girls we know at Christagenia are better than him. Yes, there's no doubt. You take it's a girl like to dinner. Well, I have no use for Florian Geyer. None whatsoever. He's not honest. He's not an honest debater. He's not even an honest discusser. He can't even have an honest discussion. And Sven, I, I never listen to the podcast. I don't really have a whole lot of time in my day to listen to other people's podcasts. But everybody at Christiania and other people that aren't even identity Christians told me that Sven just clobbered them. Yeah, he, did. Uh, he, uh, he did. And it's especially embarrassing because Sven was outnumbered three to one and it wasn't fairly moderated because everyone else was on Florian, Florian's side and he still clobbered him. It was real it was bad. I wish it was me. That's my kind of environment. <laughs> I had a big. I, I remember one point, Bill, where um, 
Florian was going on about how Noah's son was were all different races because all nations came from Noah. And Sven goes, hang on a minute. They were all brothers. How could they be different races? Oh, that gives me a good Florian. <laughs> right. Well, well, the people that believe that, uh, uh, you know something? Okay. You can reach a lot of assumptions in life about things that you don't know. And the people that despise history and archaeology are ba usually people that don't know what's there. And that's why one of the first papers I wrote was the race of Genesis 10, because it's so important to understand that they were all white and that that can be proven in history and archaeology. And if you don't find a nigger in Genesis chapter 10, you're not going to find a nigger in the kingdom of heaven. We don't need to squeeze them in somehow. We don't need a place for them in heaven because if they get in the heaven, they're going to do the same thing they did on earth. So we don't want them in heaven. It's an earthly kingdom. Heaven is an earthly kingdom, you know, that his kingdom come to earth. That's the prayer we say. We don't need to squeeze niggas into the kingdom. It's a bad so idea. So you're saying, wait, you don't want to be enriched in heaven? No, no, Joe does not want Kingdom of Heaven become niggerized. Niggerized. There's not a welfare program in the kingdom. We're already living in hell with these devils. That's hell. You know, they're meeting in all that, and their presence among us, that hell. The Kingdom of Heaven, you know, just the fact that it's heaven, it won't have any of the devils there. No way. No way, I, I agree, think, Joe. I think Fuck going back nigga. to that last point, uh, convo um, with like with Noren and whatnot. Like here, so many people like they try and say that Noah's sons were all like different races, but then like it just doesn't make sense. And the same thing with like the global flood. Like, how can there be a global flood and there still be the Canaanites and and all the other uh, all these other tribes out there if there was a global flood and only <laughs> Noah's sons basically passed the um, passed the line down. You know? All right, it should be apparent. Hopefully, it will sooner than later. Yeah, but like, I just can't believe, like, especially on Telegram recently, just the amount of flat earthers on there, which have arguments with quite often. It's disappointing. Um, is insane. Like, even like they 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 like they hate science so much that they distrust all science, and even science which is like done by Adamic people in the past in, in ancient history and stuff which is easily pro proven through basic physics but yeah that is completely refute that it's just I feel like we've gone time having the same arguments they had previously well right, why right. argue about that brother I mean does it matter what shape the earth is to us does the bible actually definitively you know tell us that that has to be a doctrine of our religion i mean i think it's better not to argue with them people about space aliens and stuff like that and instead argue with them about hey the israelites were white did you know that and christ was a white man and he's speaking to you he came to save our race and our people you know that's that's my doctrine Exactly, right. and like that's that's what I that's what I say to him at the end of the day. Like the Bible isn't here to teach us science; it's here to teach us the faith. That's all it is. <laughs> well, 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 may I real quick just to reinforce what Joe was saying earlier with that whole method of thinking, and how, um, especially with Scripture as the foundation, um, how that harbors us from so many pitfalls and falling into so many arguments with, especially Jews and and whatnot. 
and how it, it is inherent. Um, it has been lost in our culture, obviously, but um, but some of these things, um, you know, my point is there's there's a there's a whole lot of things that we have to be comfortable with that we're not going to know in this lifetime. And flat and flat is, perfect, is a perfect example. Um, you know, at the, end day, at the end of the day, I still got to drive across it, whether it's flat or not, go to work. You know, it's not, it's not really, uh, bringing us forward. It's only been, um, divisive, divisive since it's been around. If, if a brother wants to believe in flat earth, I don't really have an issue with that. Like, it doesn't. It's not important to me, and I, I, I still just want to bring him to Christ. I'm not, I'm not going to cause division over that, that idea because it, it's not that important. But Eric, do you think that it's inherent to all our people? Like that's that's the question I asked at the end. Was do do all our people have that? I know it's a part of our race and a part of our culture, but is it only some of the men? I, I'm not that women can't be logical because if women are made in the you know, in the likeness of a man, they have to have some logic too. But is it like are there people in our race like Lemming? Like I've heard people say that normies um, just conform to the culture that they're given. So is is there is there um, different places in our culture for different people? Whereas you know there might be a craftsman who's not really an intellectual and he doesn't need to really understand the methodology. And that's what I've been conflicted about because I, I can't decide whether logic should be inherent in all our people because there's a lot of normies right now who totally 100% believe in this coronavirus you know not being a political thing they fully go along with it you know well, you, you can't have a society uh, full of people who aren't normies because normies are important with maintaining yeah, maintain. if you have every person free thinking then it's just going to be anarchy because everyone wants to push your own ideology you mean nothing argument the entire time right i, right. I would I, say I, I, go ahead I'm sorry. I'm sorry i'm addressing issues in in the chris getting a chat with some with, with some of the people that had a hard time coming here or didn't like some of the options that that they could get here if, if you have a cell phone any application on a cell phone that uses your microphone you have to agree to let it manage your phone calls because that application has to be able to detect the phone call and put itself on hold. So that's just a technical issue. That's not an issue where they're monitoring your telephone calls. That's ridiculous. It's a technical issue that they have to have that ability in order to put themselves on hold. It puts itself on hold when you, get, when you answer a phone call. Right. You wouldn't have push to talk without it. Right. So, so, so that's a technical issue, and and I'm a computer guy, so I know I know that that's true. So some of these people don't understand it. They don't want to give an app control of their phone, and and that's fine. Well, if you don't give the app control of the phone, then you can't use the microphone in the app. That's the way it is, or, or the speaker. So that's a technical obstacle. That's not a a control thing. Yes, so how do you bring this truth to normies when they don't respond to logic all the time? You know, that's another question I have. Like, you can't actually use logic to bring the truth to them. So even though we have this methodology and it's important for establishing our profession, 
it's difficult sometimes to bring that profession to normies and our kindred if they, if they don't really understand logic, if they don't respond to logic always. Right. Well, I mean, to tie it in with being comfortable, uh, you know, that we're not going to know <clears throat> a lot of things in this lifetime, I think Clifton put it in a good way. I mean, you have to try because you never know when you're going to be that vehicle to open someone's eyes. But some people are meant to be deaf and blind and it sucks. But I mean, you have to realize some people you're not going to be able to get through to for multiple reasons. So, I mean, it sucks. It's not a happy answer or whatever, but it's, it's true. I mean, there's too many, too many Right, and they're they're just never going to get it without Yahweh flipping that switch. I suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. Well, I suppose it's humbling that we we can't, you know, force them to believe anything. It has to be God that brings them to the so that we. I guess I could be humbled. Sure. Well, yeah, you know what I used to tell guys in prison, and and I actually taught. A lot of guys see I in prison. I, I sometimes I say a hundred. It may it might have been fifty. I I don't know, right? That I gave the opportunity to learn CI, and some of them took off with it and and learned a lot. Others kind of learned it just because they thought it was white power and they fell off. And I never heard from them again. Um, some guys that I taught CI in prison, they're on my Facebook friends list today, or, or that I learned CI with in prison. They're on, They're on my Facebook friends list today. They're still around. So, so, so when, I, when I teach a, a new guy CI in prison, and, and, and it happened probably a dozen times or more, that they, what do I do? What do I do? I, I got to teach people this. I got to, what do I, what am I supposed to do? And I, I'd say, slow down. You don't know if you're the guy that's going to teach 100,000 people Christian identity, or if you're the guy that's, going to bring it to one person and he teaches a hundred thousand people christian you don't know you just don't know so you do what you can to witness the people and and you often are able to do is limited on the situation and the individual so you do what you can you're not going to red pill the world only christ only christ is going to do that I mean, if you look at the, the mask wearers, the ratio of mask wearers, you can count all them out. Yeah, we're fucked. <laughs> I mean, there's people that are masked because the, that, that they have city and, and state ordinances that they have to. They can't get the things that they need to feed their family without wearing a mask. And that's fine. And I can forgive that and understand that. But the people that wear those fucking masks voluntarily, yet, you know, it, it was um, back in June that Panama City Beach and the state of Florida relieved all their mask restrictions, let the restaurants seat people where they wanted to, and all the table restrictions were done. But half the people were still wearing masks, and they still are, even though we haven't yet had any new restrictions. They're still wearing them voluntarily. Well, count that half out, because that half is the half whose television is God. Their TV, their TV is their God. And, and, and the ratio is probably more than half. So we're not going to red pill the world. Only Christ can do that, but you do what you can. You know what else, Bill? Uh, <clears throat> what else I was going to say is, well, just thinking, um, it's very intimidating, I think, to people 
when they think about how much they really have to relearn or learn from scratch when they join Christian identity? Do you think that that's a big problem too? Because I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you're not going to get it in like, I don't know, six months or a year. And it's a continuing life long process. I think that a lot of people have problems uh, meeting to something like that. Oh, of course. Well, well, yeah, I've been doing this for 24 years. And I'm still learning, right? Right. You, you never stop learning. You're, you're never going to be there where you know everything. If you get to the point where you know everything, you're God. None of us are ever going to be God. That ain't going to happen. It, it's, it, it's, it, it's real simple. If you care about the truth of God, that, that treasure hidden in the field, when a man finds it, he sells everything he has to buy that treasure. That's what Christ is talking about. If you really care about the truth of God, you're going to make the sacrifices necessary to learn it. If you don't care about the truth of God, you're going to run off and you're going to still watch niggers on Monday night football and your daughter's going to marry one and you're going to be giving her away at the altar in front of a Catholic priest. Well, to tie it back to what, what Joe had originally asked you, um, when I say it's inherent, I mean just how our people um, are civil with each other. We can discuss and debate without it falling apart and whatnot. But where it isn't, and where I'm tying it into what we're talking about now, is, um, yeah, culturally, that's just destroyed. I mean, people don't have the attention span. People ain't going to read more than 15 minutes a day if you're lucky, for, I mean, the majority. Um, for me personally, um, letting go of so much of that crap, it was such a weight off my shoulders. I mean, most people won't even know, I mean, if they don't even take those steps or if it's not brought to them, whatever. But... Um, yeah, it's hard. It's not a battle that we're going to win. Yeah, right. And if you think about it, um, you know, the leftist and the communists, they're not edging in faithful debate. They can't win a debate faithfully. So they don't want to know any of this stuff. This, this um, approach, you, you know, that we use um, for the Bible, that can apply to all areas of life. You know, where we're Christian skeptics. We don't necessarily believe anything unless we can find it in the Bible. So we reject evolution while the rest of the world accepts it. Hey, Joe, Dasho, I just came across something on my computer and I heard Bill use the term red pill. I just came across this the other day on my bit shoot. This thing, I don't understand it. I was reading part of it, and I couldn't understand what it was about. It's called Q. Is this Q thing a red pill identity Christian thing, or what is that? No, no, Q uh, no QAnon is, is some crazy conspiracy theories about UFOs and, and Pizzagate. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm not saying all of it should be dismissed, but, yeah, they go way overboard. Yeah, I had a buddy say that uh, QAnon is probably some fat Jew living in his mom's basement. There's, there's, there's actually some circumstantial evidence that the guy who keeps posting the information is is uh, Jared Kushner. So, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't take any of it seriously. I, I, if anything, I would make the argument that QAnon stuff is there to discredit Pizzagate because Pizzagate is real. That stuff actually happens. What's Pizzagate? So the church? Uh, more, more stuff about the pedophile rings and how they're doing human trafficking out of uh, the D.C. area. You could call it a church. 
I think. You could call it a church, yes. A church if, for the Satanists to rape children? Yeah, I, I, Jews Jews selling little kids to other Jews and Satanists has been a church. That's that's technically a church, isn't it, Bill? I think that, that qualifies as one. It's not a good church. Well, yeah, that's the synagogue of Satan. But, but my point about Pizzagate it is and QAnon, I, I mean, I understand, and I made posts at the Christianity media, media site a few years ago, that there is some substance to the Pizzagate account, accounts. However, QAnon gets all loaded up and, and easily injected with crazy conspiracy theories that aren't necessarily true that discredit it. Right, right. Yeah, I'd hate to see that church. The same thing would happen to CI if we accepted all the crazy bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's why we have to defend against it. Uh, we'd be like David Icke and Alex Jones, you know, with their artillery. <laughs> but I mean, Pizzagate, yeah, there's probably some substance to Pizzagate, but QAnon, they're, to me, the things that I saw at QAnon, the few times I've been there, they're very easily susceptible to extrapolations that aren't real, and that helps the media discredit them in the eyes of the general public. Well, it's another example of that method of the thinking harbors us from all that crap and keeps us making progress. If, if, if that makes if, sense. If, if, if that makes sense, Dashko. Yes. I did start to put some um, Pizzagate materials at the media side of Christagenia back few years ago. Things that I thought were plausible, right? I had, a, I, had a, I had a question for you, Bill, if you don't mind indulging me. Uh, I've had, uh, I've, I've had some discussions with some people, uh, some people who are CI, some people who aren't CI, some people who are CI, but don't in your dual C line. Um, and I've, I've seen some people arguing about the nature of salvation. Uh, could you, could you clarify that? I'm, I'm, I just, I, I have, I have my own, my own, my own thoughts on this, but I was, I was hoping you could, you could just state what your stance on this is, is, is salvation. Obviously I think we all believe that, that salvation is, is only offered to, uh, to the children of Abraham, right? It's, it's not, it's not offered to, to, to non Adamic men, but, uh, like what is, what is hell? Is hell just separation from God? Are there, are there white, are there white men who won't make it to heaven? Do all white, white men and women can make it to heaven? What's, what's, what's your stance on this? How do you break this down, Bill? But well, with Adam, our race became alienated from God, and it was never reconciled. And I believe that the early hell myths, Hades, hell, um, Sheol in Hebrew, the underworld, in, in, or the netherworld in Egyptian and Mesopotamian mythology, I believe that they all represent a state of alienation from God. That man could not be reconciled with God, that God created man to have an eternal spirit, but those eternal spirits, after we die, could not be reconciled with God until Christ. And the cross of Christ actually had meanings on several levels. First, in reconciling the wider Adamic race to God, but more importantly, in reconciling the children of Israel in their special relationship to God. 
And that is why Christ himself said that the men of Nineveh, who were Assyrians, but they were Adamic, would be in a resurrection. And the queen of the south, who was a Cushite, but is still Adamic, would be in a resurrection. So that's my opinion on that, that we all, every Adamic man, if you're a true descendant of Adam, meaning a genealogically true descendant of Adam, you have an eternal spirit that was created by God and instilled in you. Of course, the other races were all born in corruption and do not have those spirits. That being said, eternal life doesn't necessarily bring you eternal happiness. And just because all Israel will be saved, as the scripture says, and the scripture says that in several places and cannot be refuted, that doesn't mean that all Israel is going to have, um, what do the Muslims say, 50 virgins and three Cadillacs and two camels. And, and a flock of sheep or goats or what? No, I'm kidding, right? But that doesn't mean that we're all going to have a wonderful time for eternity because, as it says in Daniel, and, and as Christ himself intones and as Paul of Tarsus teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Daniel chapter 12, or, or, or the parables of the workmen or the parables of the stewards and the servants that have no reward and things like that, some men are going to be resurrected to eternal contempt. They are going to suffer consequences of the things that they've done here. But as for the other races, they have no part in any of this. They weren't born of God. Yes. So Christ came also to restore the original purpose of God's creation, which was that the white man would live forever. That would be uh, original intention of God. and he and the white man and the Adamic man will be restored to that well absolutely. well absolutely and that's apparent in the first epistle of Peter in chapters 3 and 4 where he said that Christ went and preached the spirits in prison and and that's how he's describing Hades as prison he went because they were alienated from God he went and preached the spirits in prison who had died in the flood of Noah they weren't Israelites, but they were Adamic people that sinned. If those people that died in the flood of Noah, that they were basically fucking the fallen angels, if, if they could be restored to God, their spirits, that then so can all the Israelites. So that there's no exceptions given. When it says all Israel is saved, there's no qualified, there's no exception given at that time. It simply says all Israel is saved. It doesn't give an, accept, an exception. Like right, and, 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 I, and Isaiah chapter 45, which is what Paul was paraphrasing, it says all the seed of Israel. Hey, and Bill, isn't there an earthly salvation like in this life? And then there's um, another kind of another context that the word is used in, which is referring to eternal life. So there's two ways that word is used. Absolutely. When Paul told the jailer in Acts chapter 16, I believe it is. I might be wrong. It might be Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 15. It's in there somewhere. Paul told the jailer at um, Philippi, I think it was. I don't know the Bible, right? I'm kidding. Um, he told the jailer that had him and Silas locked up in the jail, if if he believed there were, that your, your whole house will be saved. 
Paul can't speak for the, the jailer's wife and children and in-laws and whoever happens to live with him or in his house. He can't speak for them. But he was speaking about temporal salvation because if you come to Christ, that at that time, right? Not the way the denominational churches teach it now, but at that time, coming to Christ meant giving up all those pagan practices and starting to keep the law. And if you keep the law, you hope to have the man who does these things shall have life by them. That's what it says. If you keep the law, you hope to have temporal salvation. You hope to live a long and happy life. And Paul said that to give up certain people to Satan so that God would judge them. You know, so that they don't have the temporal salvation in this life either. Something, you know, if you live a life of sin... You know, you're not going to have salvation in this life. You're probably that's going a, to a, have trial in this life. That's exactly what that's talking about. That's exactly what Paul meant. So I, I want to be clear on this because, again, I, I, I just I just want to walk this back around and, and put a pin on it. Um, so you're you're saying that eternal salvation is unconditional, right? That's that's eternal existence, right? right. 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 Eternal existence. Existence is unconditional. It's it's a matter of how God made us. God's not going to fail. If he made you to be immortal, his design is going to happen. Eventually, you will be obedient to him so that you could have life. Right. Well, to tie it together, some a lot of people point to the, uh, oh, a drunkard won't see the kingdom of heaven. Well, yeah, it's because they're going to die in their sins. It doesn't mean they're not going to be resurrected. Well, you know what, right? They're going to die in their sins, and when they get to the kingdom of heaven, that there ain't, I'm drinking a shot right now, right? That there ain't going to be no drunkards. Right. And we don't know why the drunkard is the drunkard. We can't judge him. Only God can judge him. God might know why he's a drunkard and might not be as harsh to him as we are. So in, in the restoration, God might not condemn him in the way that we would. So he might actually have a reward when he gets to heaven that we didn't see. Right, the Bible. And that's very wise, Joe, because some men are drunkards. Some men are drunkards because life has pushed them to a point of exasperation. But for some reason or another, Yahweh has not given them the tools to get out of that position. And it's all for his glory. Right, for his edification. Well, plus, also, he sent that reprobate mind, too. I mean, sometimes, I'm not saying it's his fault by any means, but you know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of caveats to it. Hey, guys. Uh, guys uh, I got a question about the uh, the drunkard. I can't remember uh, if that was an Isaiah or Ezekiel. But anyhow, is it possible that it's not literal drunkard the way we think of it? It's, he's drunk on something else, like the world? Oh, no, in Hosea, there's ye drunkards of Ephraim and, and, and Isaiah, drunkards of Ephraim, right. That's um, just referring to people who are making the, a nation, right, that's making a lot of stupid decisions that they may as well be drunkards. Okay, but it's, okay, it's, but it's, it's a literal context when it is in, um, yeah, right? Yeah, Paul is using the term in a, in a literal context. Right, it was Paul. Oh, it was Paul. Where drunkards are, are next to thieves and covetous men and, and extortioners and things like that and other sins, that then we have to take it literally. The drunkards of Ephraim and Isaiah, 
that that's just an an indication that these people are are like Solomon in wisdom and in Ecclesiastes uses the word fools that they've just parted from God, so they may as well be drunkards. Yeah, so the will of God doesn't fail. If if God's will was that the Adamic man be eternal, that will would not fail. But Paul tells us in Galatians that every there's two judgments. There's a judgment where all the non-whites go to hell, where Christ divides the nations. Matthew 25, he divides the nations, and all the sheep nations enter into eternal life, into his kingdom, and all the goat nations go to hell. And then there's another judgment, and Clifton wrote about this. And then the other, the next judgment, you know, I'm not saying it's temporal, it, it comes after, but there's another judgment where each white man is rewarded according to his works. And he, so white men who are traitors to their own people, they're not going to get much of a reward. But white people who work to um, help their own people, you know, like Hitler, um, he might have a reward. I can't say I'm not God, but he might have a reward in the kingdom of God. God might um, recognize what Hitler tried to do for his people, and he might have a reward in heaven. So there's those two judgments that um, Clifton also wrote about. And I think that's what Bill is talking about too. There's the, the sheep enter into eternal life, but then there's the judgment where each white man's rewarded according to the way he lived life. Right. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ as individuals, but the goats are already in a lake of fire. They don't matter. They... The, they don't get judged for their works, do they, Bill? They're, God's not going to say, oh, you were a good goat. You know, you tried to help. You know, you were nice to my sheep. So, here's <laughs> a reward. You know, none of these Jews, none of these Arabs and niggers are going to have any reward. They're just sent to hell immediately in the first judgment. They're not rewarded according to their works. They have no good works. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So, these, these devils, they it, inherently, because of their nature... They can't produce good works. There's nothing good in them. Yeah, they're condemned already, according to the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice dead. They're born in sin. Hey, Joe. Yeah, brother. What you just said, Bill, in his commentary on Rice Christ Strike, I think it's page 208 or might be page 218. I forget. He says all of these non Adamic. People that are outside of the outside of our realm, God throws them in the lake of fire, and then to quote the paragraph, Bill writes in Christ, right? They cease to exist. In other words, they're not in the Catholic eternal torment like we're raised in Sunday, like we were taught in Sunday school. They simply are disintegrated. In other words, in just other like words, just like my cat dies, like they're here as eternal if they've oblivion. never been in Obadiah. You know, as if they've never been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or Malachi 4, where there's ashes under the feet. They're so gone. They're so gone, there's nothing left of them. You know, they're not, they're not with us at all anymore. We don't even have to. Their memory is completely gone. We don't, you know, we might remember them. I don't know. But all their, their existence is totally ceases to be. And, they're, and that, that they're totally done away with. Well, right now, they're right burning, if that... You know, if that. I'm sorry. They're not I'm sorry, ruling in hell like the Jews say, oh, it's better to rule in hell than to serve God. They're not going to be ruling in hell. They're not even going to be existing at all in any sense. 
say they're not going to be ruling in hell and having a great time in hell. They're just not going to be at all in all memory. Every, everything they are is gone, and that's good because they're a corruption. They shouldn't exist. They're going to burn. Now, and, well, and I'm just I'm asking this so I, I know if I have a resource at my disposal or not. But Bill, did you did you is this something that your Christ Strike series touches on? If if people have questions about this, can I? Can well, I, well, you know what? I, I I I love you, Dasho, but I sent you copying my Romans book. You got to read it. It's in there. Yeah, Romans is really good. That's actually a verse I want to bring up right now. Uh, to, it's like a great answer. Other than the uh, Isaiah forty-five verses that are very blatant. If, if you look at my Romans commentary on chapters five, six, and seven, you'll find it. it it's in chapter five. Um, I, I don't remember the subtitle exactly right now, but it, it's kind of um, salvation is a genetic issue or, or something like that. I, I'm on it now on my website. I, I don't remember everything I say. I say, oh, salvation is a racial phenomenon. It, it's part six of my Romans podcast, which would be chapter six in that book. I don't think the chapters always line up parts, though, Bill, so it might not be chapter six. <laughs> oh, no, it, it, in Romans, the chapters are absolutely lined up with the parts because I, 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 I'd have never got the time to reorganize it. Which one were you going to say it's up? Uh, I was uh, I'm bringing up uh, uh, Romans 11, 25 to 32. It's my second favorite verse, I guess, other than Isaiah 45. Uh, for I do not wish you to be ignorant, brethren, of the mystery, lest you be wise on account of yourselves. That hardness in part has come upon Israel until the fullness of the nations arrives. And in that manner all of Israel shall be delivered, just as it is written, from out of Zion shall come the deliverer. And he shall turn away in piety from Jacob. And this to them is the covenant for me when I should remove their guilt. Certainly, concerning the good message, they are on your account, enemies, but concerning the chosen, beloved, on account of the fathers. Indeed, the favor and the calling of Yahweh are not to be repented of, even as you were at one time disobedient to Yahweh, but now are shown mercy due to their disobedience. In that manner, these also are now in opposition to the mercy, to your mercy so that they may have mercy shown to them. Therefore, Yahweh has enclosed all in disobedience, that he may show mercy to all. Oh, the depth of riches of wisdom and knowledge of Yahweh! How oh, unsearchable his judgments and incomprehensible his ways! For who has known the mind of Yahweh, or who has become his counselor, or who has betrayed him? Then they will be requited by him. Because from him and through him and for him are all things. Him is honor for the ages, truly. So like that'll so explain like how to treat non-Christians, their enemies. But on account of the promises, they're beloved. They're going to heaven. They're going to be with us. And, and that really, really. Peter wrote where if a man's seed remaineth in him, he has... God's going to give his sins. God's going to cover his sins. But if a man doesn't have an origination with God, you know, there is no you know, 
cover for his sin. He's not going to be forgiven for his sins. And also, sin, there's the creator of, there's the author of sin, and then there's um, a person who's in bondage to sin. So the author of sin is Satan. The Jews, they create sin. They're the original sinners. But our people, when they sin, they're going to be forget. They're not the authors of sin. And yeah, Peter mentions yeah, yeah. that. Peter uses a word to um, differentiate between the authors of sin and people who just sin and whose sins are covered by God. Gerald, that's First John three eight nine. Is what you're quoting. Oh, Sorry, Michael. I don't know the Bible at all. <laughs> I've, I've, I've exposed myself. But I, you know what, you guys? Bill talked earlier tonight on John eight forty four, and I was just going to ask something key to my mind. If we could dovetail John eight forty four with First John three twelve, Cain who was of or out of the wicked one. If we could kind of cross to put those two together. Right. Because those people who Christ is talking to are of their father, the bull, and Cain is of, and that word of denotes origin in, in Greek. So saying that they're of, when it says of that wicked one, that's, you know, he's a son of that wicked one. He's derived from, his origination is in the wicked one, just as the enemies of Christ in John were of, you know, their father, the devil, that means that they derived their originations from the devil. And that's what we're talking about at the beginning of the program, that Cain, Cain's father. Yeah, where Weissman was saying it was just based on behavior because they were carnally-minded sheep versus spiritually-minded sheep. Yeah, right. Well, real quick. Well, yeah, I wonder how he would interpret the verse that says... You know, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit and a good tree. I wonder how he would interpret that with sophistry and joke arguments. He would interpret it this way. He would interpret the tree originally was a good little boy, but then God turned him over to a reprobate and he became a bad boy. And uh, God turns him over to a reprobate and he becomes a bad tree. And that's how Weissman would interpret it. Because with Weissman... Uh, it is uh, based on behavior and some form of belief because he still has some of his Church of Christ baggage with him. And, yeah, and uh, But I will say, you take like in private conversations I've had with uh, Lawrence and with uh, Pastor Ramsey, in private conversations and even with, even with uh, Dave Barley and Martha, and like I've shared this before, they see our position as a lot more consistent than the Weissman position. But when you, it all comes with these people, it all comes down to economics. Yeah, they don't have any balls and they love the world. Right. I mean, you got a little bit at stake in economics, you know. No, screw them. Screw them. Fuck them. I'm a living proof that their economics argument is not valid or their economics attitude is not valid. No, no, I agree, Bill. Yeah, no, if you're talking about aggregate, isn't that genetics? How can you make a bad tree anything other than what it was from its seed? Exactly. Joe, outside of Weissman, they would all agree with you in private. That I'm going to say. I, you know, I'm not going to... So, so they're, they're basically charlatans and, and dishonest frauds. Yeah. They see piety as a path to, you know, riches.
Yeah, yeah, you know, by the grace of God, wait, by the grace of God, I, I've been doing what I've been doing for 12 years. I came out of prison without a shirt on my back. And and I, 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 I yeah, you know, I'm not hurting for anything. I'm not rich, but yeah, I have two vehicles and, and, and thanks to Clifton, I have a nice house to live in. I'm not rich, but I'm not hurting for anything. I've been provided for. And, and and if you stay with the truth and you believe in the truth, you don't worry about your material possessions. You don't worry about um, what your potential income is next year. Fuck that. You worry about the truth. You fear God. That's fearing God. They're not fearing God. They're fearing whether or not they're going to have enough money to pay their electric bill next month. You should be prepared to die for the truth, you know, whole life on the line for the truth. And and the Nazis and National Socialists, they died for the truth. I'm prepared. If we want to be like them and be like our fathers, we better be prepared to die for the truth. And that doesn't mean you have to do it on the battlefield necessarily. That could also mean that you're prepared to make sacrifices for your people and even, you know, sacrifice the world and the things of the world, you know, to believe in the truth. Exactly. Good night, Don. Good night, Don. Good night, Don. Or maybe Don's saying good night to somebody else. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> Florida, man. We, we, oh, Titus. Yeah, Titus is on the seas working weekends now. They changed up the schedule at work. So I, I, I wish we'd got to talk to him. He's been around. Um, Titus has been around Christiania since since 2009, I think, since the um, the early Eli days. Real quick, I hope we uh, covered most of what you asked, Dasho. But the only other thing I can think of is what you were asking, as far as uh, you know, the two judgments and whatnot. Um, there is a different a, a difference between uh, the fires of Gehenna the trials of this life and the lake of fire. Yes. Yes. Definitely. definitely. And, and, and people I, miss I, that. I, that I, that's I'm the, I'm just, I'm just, I'm seeing arguments from people. I'm, I'm actually having an argument with Billy Roper right now about this on a CI study Bible and library chat. And, uh, he is, excuse me. He is, he is picking a fight over this. So I was, I was just wondering if I was hoping you would be able to, add some clarification to it with your own words i i i i had actually read the romans commentary but i wanted to i, I wanted to hear you say it is what is is was the point yeah billy yeah, robert was a straight clown and and wow wow okay <laughs> man there's a thread on the forum about um Billy Roper's clownery because he was only in CI for maybe a few months and then suddenly he was a teacher and he was teaching all this nonsense that, you know, he didn't, he'd only just done an interview with Bill and he'd only just come to CI and then like months later he's a teacher and pastor of CI as I recall. No, that's, no, that's about right. Sounds like someone chasing a title. Well, Bill said something years ago I never forgot. And this was when was years ago when a Balakaius doctrine came up because Balakaius holds to eternal torment and feels maybe 5 or 7% of us are going to make it. The rest of us are going to be like Voltaire, who felt the flames in his death, in his last death gargle. 
But I, Bill says something I never forgot. You better be careful when you're throwing another white brother into the lake of fire. Yeah. You know, to me, that's one of the worst things you can do. Another curse. Yeah. You know, know, Ballas, he does it with gleefulness. He loves it. It's, it's, it's like dessert for him every night. If he could throw a, a white Saxon brother in the lake of fire, he loves it. Imagine trying to squeeze a nigger into heaven while at the same time you're trying to exclude a sheep from heaven. You know, that's so wrong, eh? And that's what some of them teach. You know, they want a sheep to go into the lake of fire and they want to squeeze a nigger into heaven, and it's just wrong. Get their head stuff somewhere where it don't belong. Isn't one of the failures of the priest in the Old Testament that they fail to... um, differentiate between what was holy and what was clean and what was unclean and unholy, that one of their greatest failures. And that's true because if you fail to differentiate in the clean and the unclean, well... Well, Dasho, that's an important distinction in Scripture that, that, that the King James doesn't reflect because, unfortunately, the King James and a lot of other versions treat different words and, and translate them the same way in English. And, and that's like Eric brought up. That's one of those important terms. Gehenna is hell in the King James Version. And Hades is hell. But Gehenna and, and Hades are two totally different concepts. Gehenna is where the, the, the um, ancient Canaanites and, and the children of Israel followed them, burnt their children in the fires of Moloch in the valley of the land of Hinnom. And Gehenna in, in Greek, Gehenna is equivalent to the English land of Henna or Hinnom. So Gehenna is where the Judeans were burning their, their, their refuse and their trash in the first century AD. So the fires of Gehenna represent the fiery trials of this life that Peter talks about in, in the opening chapter of his epistle and enter mentioned elsewhere where Hades is a totally different story and, and the lake of fire is something different from Hades. So not all of these hells are the same. Right, and that's that's the understanding I've always had with it, which is that there's there's a difference between being thrown into the lake of fire and then there's a difference between being in a place where God isn't, right? Right, there, right. Those which is Hades. The same thing. From a, from a, from a most from a from a purely you know literalist interpretation, I, I know Joe mentioned something like this earlier in the podcast. We're living in hell right now because God's not that's not with the nations we live in right now, right? He's he's given them up. We 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 live in a place where God is not. Right, so oh, I, I see that as Gehenna, like we're we're facing all these fiery trials of our faith, and and we're either going to make it or or we're going to join the enemy, right, and be can, subsumed. Can I can I read you something? I I I just I really I really want to read this to you because especially since you told me that that Billy Roper was just some guy who showed up months and then left, I I feel as though you might you might enjoy this. Roper Roper has spent a, a lifetime as a white nationalist, but he's floated. He, he was in Aryan nations with Butler, but he's floated from doctrine to doctrine and and in and out of paganism and CI. And he he did an interview with me where he said he would never call himself a pastor, and two months later he was calling himself a pastor. 
Well, right now, uh, he's throwing you under the bus, and he said, so I, I'm having this discussion with him, and I'm, I'm, citing, I'm citing things, you know, the, the Christogenia New Testament, Romans Commentary, Christ Reich, because this is, this is on a, a Bible study and library, like, chat, so this is mostly for citations and things. And I, I cite these things to him after, after making this assertion, and he says, but sure, let some relatively recent newcomer go against what dual C-line identity is always taught and redefine what he says Paul really meant, if you want. And then I responded, are, are you implying that this is some unique interpretation I'm making? Because this is, this is, this is something that, that William Fink teaches, and and this is also, unless I unless I'm mostly misunderstood, but this is something that Beret also alluded to. This is this is discussion that's happening live right now on a podcast. He says, yes, he's talking about you. He's calling you the newcomer who's reinterpreting everything, and he says that he believes in what Pastor Butler says instead of what you say. Right. Okay, that's right. Because I'm only CI since '96, right? So 24 years of study ain't enough. You know what? I'll bet I've studied 100 times more than Pastor Butler ever studied. Didn't didn't some people think Butler was some sort of mamza? I'm I'm not making an accusation. I'm just saying that some people have reason to believe that. Yes, that's true. true. That that's true. Some people believe that. I, I'm not saying I believe that, but some people did believe that. Yeah, you know, Butler was not a scholar. Where where's the book by Butler? What where's the library sermons by Butler? There aren't any. Well, it's always the same thing. It's always oh, it's a fringe. It's a new this or that. It's already been. I'm new. I've only been around since 96. I'm only doing this 24 years, so I'm a recent newcomer. My, my work was published on Israel Elect five years before I got out of prison. My, my essays were published there. So am I a newcomer if Roper wants to call me a newcomer? Because he was a rookie at Aryan Nations in the 90s? Big deal. I'm not impressed with that. By the way, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. How long was that interview that he, he had with you? I'm I, I don't remember. Probably two hours. Okay, I, I was just curious because he claims to know you a lot more personally than I know you. No, well, yeah, you know what? We met once uh, over coffee, and I spilled my cup of coffee on his ass in Harrison, Arkansas. It was a mistake. I didn't do it on purpose. Melissa wasn't a cup of coffee. She said she, she thinks. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know we, we met once in Harrison, Arkansas, and we did a couple of phone conversations. And he got mad at me over something I really had no control of or knowledge of. Evidently, Brother Ryan was trying to hit on his old lady or something, and he blamed me for it and started bad-mouthing me. But I had no control over that or knowledge of that. And, and we did a podcast. It was January 2nd, 2016. It was an hour and 40 minutes. And, and, there's a, and, and there's a picture of us shaking hands that Melissa took after we talked, after we talked in that diner in, that in Arkansas, Arkansas in, 20, in 2015. And there's, and there's the picture. And, and Billy Roper is trying to look all big and bad, but he's just a pudgy, fat ass, soft ass. <laughs> Hey, Bill, I found the thread from years ago when he first came out as a pastor, and it seems he's still teaching the same sort of stuff because at that time, okay, this is a quote from him, all Christian identists believe that there were prior earth ages and creational epics where 
pre-endemic man of two or three different races were created. Created by who? What's he talking about? These featherless bipeds created in Genesis chapter 1, the beasts of the field lacked souls, however, and lived outside the Garden of Eden. Miscegenation with these non-whites, Adam was the first man created in Genesis chapter 2, from which all whites descended, is the true sin of adultery. So he can't even get that right. You know, he's calling non-whites beast of the field, yep, get lost. And then he's talking about prior earth ages and creational epics, wherein the niggers and the Arabs and all those were created. So they were created by God. You know, what? and they're the, the beast of the field. And that's that's just the start of it. Right, right, and, and that, that, that's all the shortcomings is to try and interpret that. That's the standard um, compare Swift with a few with a few um, extensions on it with a few embellishments. That's the standard compare Swift Christian identity of the sixth and eighth day creation, and it's bullshit. It's a lie. Yeah, he's old school CI, and he can't get. He still hasn't got any of that right. It sounds like sixth and eighth day, eighth day creation, because he has the Adamic man being created in Genesis two. It's the same Adam. It's the same Adam in Genesis one as Genesis two. So why he's he's got that wrong? And then and then I quote him again, and I've got a quote from him where he says something like, "You may call this word destiny or dharma." So he believes in a concept called dharma. And um, where's that in the Bible? Okay, no, so that's no. a quote from him where he quotes Dharma. Okay, that's out of the Cabal. Yeah, and so he and this is no, exactly nice, what Dasho. Actually. What, sir? Dharma is Hinduism, right? It's yeah, uh, is it? yeah, Indian basically. Is it that, or, is that or the Vedas or whatever? It's from it's the a, most mixed a, people on earth, okay? <laughs> That's what it sounds like, yeah, the most mixed yeah, it's up. Just, it's just one it, of those new agey Hindu-derived, you know, it, it's from Hinduism and Buddhism, but it's just thrown a lot around a, a lot in the West. It's it's just one of those nebulous words that get thrown, up, thrown around a lot that doesn't really... Sorry, doesn't I, really, I thought it originated with the Jews. Because they, no, is Hindu, and 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 Derzo's right. It's just one of those nebulous words, as he put it, that that the Jews can use, or, or that our um adversaries can use to describe a lot of things. Yeah, it can mean pretty much whatever you want, and even in India, it meant many, many different things depending on the context. So it literally just it means whatever you want. Okay, well, so is bullshit. It's not the law of God, and no. Identity Christian who, who, who really knows anything about the Bible would use a term such as Dharma in a positive way. Rope is a classic, and, and, and he's basically just embellished on things that Compre and Swift taught that, that were wrong and that we've proven are wrong over and over again. But um, this is why, I'm sorry, Joe, I keep cutting you off, but this is why a lot of old school identity Christians hate me. Because I upset all their apple cards and I don't care. They need to be upset. They need to be straightened out that they're either going to continue to hate me or, or they're going to eventually agree with me. I don't care. When I got out of prison, I realized that I, 
I couldn't reach out to any of these old school CI people that my endeavor was to replace the motherfuckers and relegate them to the sidelines to obscurity. That's my whole endeavor the last 12 years because I knew that most of them would never come along. There's no point. Sorry, Bill. I've got a few more quotes from Billy Roper that, that is what Dasho is talking about, if you don't mind. So he says, just because one may be one of God's truly chosen people does not mean one is saved. And the verse he uses to prove that, what you know, one of them is, is, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? So he's putting from Matthew 7 to try and prove that not all Israel is saved. Okay? And yeah, and that's, yeah, that's all yeah, total context because he, Christ said he never knew those people. But in Amos chapter 3, Christ said to the children of Israel, are the only family I have known. So Roper gets it all fucking backwards. That's what I would expect. That's what I would expect, Joe. I would expect things like that from him. He ain't better than Eli James. He's probably a lot worse. Can I say something real quick? I think this is an appropriate time. Um, as far as shedding so much and uh, starting with a clean slate, um, coming to the understanding... Um, it's a lot at first, but that's ongoing. That's constant. It's never ending. And with this Roper fellow, it sounds like he just can't, unless it's some agenda, he just can't. It's, it sounds like he thinks he knows it all already when he's not uh, keeping this method of thinking that we've mentioned before. Well, well, that is true. First, he's appealing to authority. I've only been in CI 24 years, but Butler's been around since the 60s, so Butler must know more than me. He's appealing to authority, and and it's never right to appeal to authority. The only authority is the scripture, and you appeal to the scripture, and, and that, goes back, that goes all the way back to what Joe said at the very beginning of this podcast this evening. That the scriptures are authority and, and our study methods are different than most of the rest of the Christian world. Joe, Joe. That, that, that quote you just said, where did you get that from? Uh, it's a, I posted it in the forum section just at the bottom of the TeamSpeak. It's, a, it's in the forum and I quoted him back in 2017 from a paper he wrote. And I've got a couple more quotes, you know, if you guys don't mind because it really you know, shows you his mindset. He says, I promise you, God didn't intend for each of, for each of to have to devote. So for each of us to have to devote a decade in prison studying Greek in order to understand his truth. It's not that hard. So that's a veiled attack on Bill. And then he says, not everyone descended from Jacob Israel will make it into heaven, folks. It's not a free pass, a get out of hell free card. So... Neat. And then, so after saying that's an attack on Isaiah, right? That's an attack on Isaiah and on Paul. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, well, oh, Paul. okay, get this. He says, neither his sacrifice and resurrection nor being descended from Abraham made our salvation inevitable. So that's denying the sacrifice of Christ. That's that's a rejection of Christ. That's saying that. Christ Christ didn't save his people. That's a that's a rejection of Christ when he says that Christ, um, his resurrection and death did not redeem his people. That's 
blasphemy because he's rejecting the sacrifice of Christ. And that's a quote from his paper that I made in 2017. And I said that at the time. I said, he's rejecting the sacrifice of Christ. Just like the Jews. The Jews reject the sacrifice of Christ. And Billy Roper rejects it too because he says that the sacrifice of Christ didn't save the white race. Well, good on you for saying it because Christ was ordained before the foundation of the world. Through one man, sin entered the world, and through one man comes salvation, right? Right. That's right. That's exactly what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 5. All men saved, you know. <laughs> that's that's why. Y'all have to carry a torch for about three minutes. I'm, I'm excusing myself for three minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, I wonder what you're doing. <laughs> I'd like to ask this uh, Roper guy why Christ had to die. Like, what's his explanation? Does he even understand that? Yeah. Because I'll ask him. What the hell? Why not? I got him on this chat. Yeah, because if he, yeah, if, because he if, if he doesn't understand that, then it makes sense that he believes in all this other crap. Right. If he can right. be so picky choosy about it then where where the hell are the lines there are no lines then how is he a christian willfully willfully ignorant here he's he's in this chat he's trying to misunderstand something that i said a while back he keeps he keeps trying to say i never posted any of that on trs no one's saying he did well that's this why is, i was saying if it's not agenda it's an ego thing or something i don't i don't know He's using sophistry to try and deny that all Adam is saved. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you want Adam to be saved? Right, and the basis, like when you were saying, like the method of thinking, uh, you know, Christ as our foundation, I mean, our scripture is our authority, as being said. It shouldn't be that hard. He's going outside of that. outside. He's writing a narrative that isn't in the Bible because he wants, you know, he wants it that way. He doesn't want it the way the Bible says it is. He wants it some <laughs> other way for some <laughs> for some reason. Well, I was going to say earlier, I forget what we were talking about, but um, one of the one of the best things I've ever <laughs> heard or read. I think I read it in a commentary or something. But Fink said. You know, oh, as far as us trying to be our own God, well, man, we've done a hell of a job of it so far throughout the, throughout yeah. the years. Yeah, Look things are going really swell, aren't they? Right, yeah, real good. And uh, this uh, Roper fella, um, I don't know if I'll go as far as saying that he's trying to be his own God, but, I mean, he's not using the right authority, so, I mean, he's walking that edge if he if he isn't out, outright doing it. I mean, he's it's, it seems like he's being willfully ignorant. Uh, he's well, definitely he's trying to pull that card with me because he's, he's I've, I've asked him twice now, this is a question live for you from the podcast, why did Christ have to die? And instead of giving it a straight answer, he's instead insisting that I explain to him when, when he posted this on TRS, which is, that's, that's deflection. He's He's avoiding the question. 100%. (laughs) That's a pretty. Christ died to save Israel from death. That's the answer. It's okay. He says it's simple. He's answered. He's answered. He said Christ had to die to save us from damnation. Only through His grace and sacrifice may we be saved. Now, will you answer the TRS question or admit you were lying about that? So, 
What is what would your response be then since he's answered this question? My, my response is this, right? Christ didn't die so that we may be saved. He died so that we will be saved. Even in Isaiah, it's spelled out several times in Isaiah. It's spelled out several times in the epistles of Paul. You are saved even if you have no good works. Your spirit will still be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In Isaiah, even though you made a covenant with death or sin, that, that Yahweh, God, Yahweh God would revoke your covenant with, and he will save you from death. So that, what I teach is, is the prophets and the apostles, and, and it's nothing else. I'm not adding anything to that. I will revoke your covenant with death. He can do that because he's the husband, and in the Bible, in the law, it's written that a husband revoked the um the covenant. That's right. That's in the law, and and I've covered that in a different context in my feminism series, and that's Isaiah chapter twenty-eight. I will revoke your covenant with death. Your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell, even though we want to sin our way into hell, your agreement with hell shall not stand. That's Isaiah. It's basic Bible one hundred and one. Isaiah and Romans chapter five. Where does it say that Christ only died for this sin and not that sin, you know? Right. <laughs> it, actually, in Jeremiah, Yahweh says, I will cleanse them of all their sins whereby they have sinned against me. Speaking of specifically the children of Israel. Sorry, I'm I'm spell I'm I'm explaining this to him. I'm reposting because he's not listening to this. Of course he's not. I said that it's it's no, he's a piece out. of shit. Why don't he come talk to me? Because he's a fucking pussy. Because I belittle his stupid ass because he won't he can't play the big shot. I told him it's spelled out in Isaiah that it's not you may be saved, but that you will be saved. It's unconditional. Christ said, I'll revoke your covenant with death. You made a covenant with death and I will revoke it. And Billy Roper said, So you're not gonna admit that you lied about TRS. <laughs> wow. So yeah, drama. Yeah, you know what? Well, yeah, you know what? I, I'm not going to talk about the evidence. Mr. and I, what we, we kind of discovered a while ago that Roper might be part Ashkenazi. And I kind of believe it. Well, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm not lying. I don't know. I think he's prob probably making this pretty apparent because, I mean, all of this is available. Like I said, you have to be willingly ignorant at this point or else he's serving an agenda. Either way, he's not. Yeah, well, all I do is teach the Bible, and people hate me for it because they all want to be leaders that promote their own Bible. Some people, it's even more than that, Bill. They just hate the Bible message because it says it's got, he, Christ is going to save Israel, and they don't like Israel. <laughs> and maybe it's well, well, right, but that's my point: is that they want to write their own Bible. They they don't like the Bible for what it says. Or maybe it's an inherent thing because, like you said, who knows? Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's uh, something else, and maybe he just can't get it because he hates it because of who he is. Hey, Israel being saved. Sorry, Mark. Real quick, anybody that comes up and throws that uh, uh, Matthew seven twenty one in your face because they're flipping it, they're taking it backwards. Tell them to back up to verses fifteen through seventeen to set context of Matthew seven. Can you paraphrase those verses, please? Beware of false prophets or come inwardly their wolves, verse 16, their fruits, 
do men gather grapes in contrast to thorns? Verse 17, every good tree, trees planted by Yahweh, bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. The context is origin. So those that say to me, those that come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and then the Lord says, depart from me, I never knew you, like Bill said. Why did he never know? Because he never planted them in the first place. Matthew 15, 13. Yeah, that, was yeah, that was the whole thing with my talk on scatterers and gatherers. I remember that. That is so, that's a very good point, Michael. Just, it, I don't even, why even bother putting it to Ropa? But that's a very good point, is that um, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, Billy. So, so what are you talking about, mate? What are you going on about? If a, bad tree, if a bad tree can't produce good fruit and a good tree can't produce bad fruit, what are you going on about? You know, you're saying that a sheep can produce um, bad fruit and it's going to go to hell. That's bullshit. That's not what it says. Right. right. It is bullshit. It's all about origin and destiny. That's all. That's that's all, that's all. Yeah, and Michael, like, if you look at Matthew seven fifteen to 22, um, sorry, to 23, Christ is actually spelling it out, like, in all of these, he's spelling it out over and over. He's using that teaching technique that the Bible uses where, you know, like we just actually like, how could you not read this once, once you're aware of it? If he is CI and then not get it, like from 15 to 23, it's like, it's, it's basically saying the same thing a few times over in different ways. Well, well, you know what, David, it's like I said about having a pre-programmed, um interpretation of scripture where i never understood what john 8 was really saying john 8 44 uh, until this year when it fucking just smacked me in the face like you dummy you've been misreading this verse for 12 years in greek it, it's because we have these preconceived notions well, well once you're shown the error of the preconceived notion and you go back and read it you should get it yeah joe Oh, I'm sorry. Billy's out here throwing shade again. I asked I asked him, Joe, this is this is exactly what I said. Joe has a question for you. If a good tree can't produce bad fruit, how do you explain that? Because sure, a bad tree can't make good fruit, but if a good tree doesn't make bad fruit, isn't that just an affirmation of what we're saying? How do you explain the parable of fruits? Billy Roper's response is, is Joe the guy who said I'd only been in CI for a couple of years and that I called myself a preacher in it? That's some bad fruit right there, whoever he is. That's an ad hominem to not answer the question. That's right. I didn't say two years. Yeah, he's not, he's I said not, two months. I said he'd only been in CI two months. Oh, oh, excuse me. Two years. Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm typing that in right now. Joe, Joe wanted me to clarify. Okay. He <laughs> said <laughs> months. Oh, he's, he's <laughs> Years. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know Roper yeah, was only involved with Aryan Nations. He was only involved with Aryan Nations as a political ploy, a political, a, a way to exploit his, his political ambitions. It, it had nothing to do with Christ and Christianity. Bill's assertion that it's to do with origin de and destiny—that's the whole Bible. That that alone just destroys Billy's argument that it's origin and destiny. It's not good, you know. Um, People who we perceive as being good and people who we perceive as being bad. You know, if you go to church on Sunday, you're going to heaven. If you don't, if you don't believe what I tell you to believe, you're going to hell. Well, you know? that, that is that is fundamentally, fundamentally his argument. Yes, because all, 
all the way up here, he said, uh, I'm just scrolling way back. He said, Adamic mankind does have an eternal spirit. God breathed that into Adam, which he had not done with pre-Adamic beasts of the field who do not have souls any more than animals do. But not all Adamics are Israelites, and not all Israelites will automatically go to the kingdom of heaven. Those Adamic whites who are not racially mixed, so their bodies are still vessels which can, which can hold a spirit, just as a clay vessel unmixed with sand can hold water and serve its purpose, still have spirits. But those mixed with Jewish or simply non-white ancestry have sprung a spiritual leak. Again, saying that all Adamics go to heaven without individual repentance and salvation is heresy. Not that. <laughs> those are, those are exact words. Every knee shall bow, bow in the end. Every every white man will know his God in the end and will repent. And like we said at the beginning, God's will isn't going to fail. Bill Billy admits that the Adamic man was created with an eternal spirit. And then later on, he's saying, oh, no, the Adamic man lost that eternal spirit somehow. It's nonsense. The will of God will not fail. It's not because we're great. It's because God is great. God's will does not fail. His purpose for the endemic man will not fail. Adam failed in his commission. Adam failed to tread down the corruptions in the world. He failed to tread down the fallen angels. But God's not going to fail. God will tread them down. Right. And, and All right, that, that's what the Apostle John said, that Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. What did the devil do? He tempted Adam into sin so that Adam died. So how does Christ destroy the works of the devil? Only when no Adamic man dies, period. He isn't going to fail. And, nope. and Bill, I, I would like some clarification on this, because I, I, I think I have, I have an understanding of this, but I want to make sure, just because, I mean, it's a podcast. Why not talk about it? He's hanging a lot of his argument on, the, on, the, on unless you be born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. How well, how that's born from above. Every Adamic man with the Spirit right. of God is born from above. That born again bullshit, that's bullshit. It's, it's a mistranslation, Dasho. That where they where yeah, the mainstream the, translations the, are born again, it should be born from above. That's what the word actually means, and that's what's in the Christogenia New Testament. Because what it's referring to is that the Adamic man was born from of God. That's his origination in God. It doesn't mean born again as in he's, he's got some some new origination. It's not saying, oh, Adam was born again, so he's not connected. You know, it's a new birth. No, it's saying that he was born from God. Okay. Right. That's not a new origin. It's not a new destiny. It's used as born from above elsewhere in the KJV. I think it's the only time that it's ever used as born again. I mean, it should be obvious there was... Um, um, it's born from above, yeah. Okay. And Christ even says something like, who knows the spirit of man that goes, oh, I can't remember where it is in the Bible. I don't know the Bible at all. But the spirit of the man who goes to God and the spirit of the beast that goes down to, into the earth. Okay, so two things. One, then, uh, he's calling you a liar, Bill, because he said he does not call himself a pastor. And he also claims that well, Butler... Well, well, he did call himself a pastor with Paul Mullet. He did call himself a pastor on a podcast with Paul Mullet. Yes, he did. Well, I think some of the problems with the born-again thing comes from the next verses. Um, he, the guy responds like, oh, well, I have to be... Uh, reborn from the womb again, or or whatever, but but yeah. that's not uh, the guy who doesn't understand it. We're gonna get the doctor. Yeah. The doctor. Yeah, we're gonna take his word on it instead of Christ, forget what Christ said. Go.
go with the guy right. who was confused right. at Christ's words and Christ says, hey, you know, you're not understanding this. Go with what he, <laughs> he believes. Don't go with right. what Christ right. says. But, but the point is he doesn't realize that he is, is born from above. You know, people say that, oh, that reinforces born again. No, it doesn't. It's just his lack of understanding, and that's a tool for our understanding. Also, I, I asked, I said to him, and you're using an ad hominem to avoid the question, how do you explain the parable of fruits? And his response was, the Pharisees acted just this way towards someone far greater than me. Oh, what does this passage mean? Trying to trip him up and catch him in contradictions or mistakes. But wow. The wow. So he can't answer the fucking question, and now he's using that excuse. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, apparently right. apparently, apparently the we're question. all Pharisees. Uh, and I would, I, I would just bitch slap him, right? Well, this roper is, is just a wolf howling. I don't even care for his thorns in my side, honestly. Fuck him. Listen, we did two whole podcasts on this. I will probably do more. I do want to do at least one on on the on the pagan stuff. But I, I hope the message is clear by now, which is that the alt right is just full of clowns. Can we just? I can. I, we can just nail that over the door. We're just going to put that out. If we have, if we ever get a compound, I'm going to put that out on a stone carved out front in front of the driveway. The alt right is full of clowns. You guys, fuck niggers. Well, the full right is eleven of the Pharisees in our modern age. <laughs> well, well, it shows you what Oprah thinks about white people because he wants to step on the heads of sinning white people or white people that are caught up in some unfortunate um, situation in life. There's plenty of white men that sin. We've all sinned. None of us can claim to be without sin. But the, like Joe said before, the minute you want to throw one of your own brethren in, into the lake of fire and, and think that you might be able to save a nigger because God created him, you're making a big mistake. Well, it you're some sort of rebel. You're a rebel against the law of God because you you don't like what God you know has planned. You want to squeeze a nigger in there because God's mean, and you want to condemn a sheep because God is too nice to the sheep or something like that. It's it's like some sort of communism. It's, no, it's, it's just Catholicism. Catholicism. Yeah, no, it is. It's communism inherent inherent communism to those genetic beings. It might be conjecture, but I mean, if we're supposed to ostracize sinners from our community to the fires of Gehenna and if Yahweh is going to send a reprobate mind and give make an end of all nations whatnot um, well there has to be a salvation for all behind oh, Eric man Eric man you got a copy Eric Michael I don't think he understands what you're saying neither do I no I was asking Eric am I coming in okay you're fine. You're fine, Michael. Oh, boy. Yeah, it looks like we have a connectivity issue with some people in the server, but maybe they'll be back. That happens sometimes on the internet, right? That's an internet router problem that can't be helped. Now they're back. Where a few people kicked just then. Eric, man, you got a copy? Copy. I, I wish people would shut off their voice notifications and their options before they come here on an open forum. A copy of what, Michael? I just gonna ask. Mention to Eric said something I was gonna share with him that came to my mind. Well, no, okay. I was. Well, no, I was. I didn't have like a great point or anything. I just meant 
as far no. as we're, we all elevation, no matter what we're, some people can't help it. They're just lost in the world. That, that doesn't right. mean they're going to be safe. Oh. Well, well, you know, there's about 15 people here that haven't had a chance to talk yet. So why don't we give them one if, if they have anything to say? Absolutely. Eric, I was just going to validate your point that, you know, when God turns somebody over to a reprobate. Oh, I guess. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was kind of my point, and I know it's conjectural. Um, no, I was, I was going to validate your point. It's not conjectural. It's scriptural. When God turns one of our people over to a reprobate, I believe it connects with, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 5, where God said, turn this reprobate over for the destruction of his flesh, for the saving of his spirit. So ultimately, Yahweh, he's going to have the final say. That's all I wanted to share with you. It's a valid what you were, were saying. Right, that's right. Too. That's another verse. Right, that, that, that's 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 5. And, and that, that's the whole story of the prophets. So, I, I mean, Billy Roper is just a clown. He's, he, he is going by what he's learned from traditions that are basically Catholic traditions. That, 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 yeah, you know, Christian identity has no, no doctrine, but, and, and it has no catechism, and we don't want one because we're constantly learning. But that, that's also a, a bad thing because many Baptist pastors and Methodist pastors and, and Catholics have come into Christian identity, and they brought with them their Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, um, Lutheran baggage, whatever it is, they brought it with them. And and like Clifton said, it, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, your mind has to become like a child. You have to put away all those worldly doctrines. And, and when you learn CI and, and Christian Denny and start from scratch. Doesn't that relate to the old skin for the wine and the new skin for the wine? Something like that. Yes. I'm sorry, just to clarify, clarify what I was saying, um, as far as the uh, he who uh, doesn't chasteneth his son, the rod doesn't love him, or uh, I know I'm paraphrasing there, but um, I wasn't, I didn't mean to say that uh, Yahweh makes us sin, because uh, one of the best ways I've heard it put um, from Pink was, uh, you know, yeah, we have free will. We have the will to do Yahweh's will or not. I'm sorry, that was my point, but I agree with it. Anybody, I've probably talked way too much already. <laughs> no, no, no. With, with the amount of time I ramble, you're, you're fine. It's okay. But I agree. If, if anybody has anything that they want to say, please do. Please go for it. Hebrews 12, 8. Well, not you, Michael. You've been talking a lot already. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love you, Michael. Yeah, I love you, Michael. Hold it, Michael. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about Billy Roper anymore because I, I think I think we've, we've beaten right, he that horse. He I would uh, abandon him from that chat. Oh my gosh! But, but I but I wanted to thank you for uh, for for entertaining the, the the diversion and and helping to to just settle that, Bill. I appreciate it. I I have actually been linked something in another chat I'm in by a friend of mine who has has provided a podcast that Billy did where he was he was preaching on the Bible go figure he claims he's not a, he's claims he's not a preacher but he preaches 
And I think this explains quite a bit. He is, in fact, a Paul basher. And he has claimed that Paul's epistles not divinely inspired because of the things that Paul's epistle contains. So I think that's probably just that's that's the end of that. I don't I don't really take that seriously at that point. You know what that comes from, Dasho? Comes right out of the Tubians, Germany in the late eighteen hundreds and the Great Enlightenment, the liberal scholars. Yeah. That that comes out of the Enlightenment. The, one of the first people they went after was Paul. Well, you can't, well, check this out. Check, check this out. You know, Roper really wants to lean on his Christian identity, old school Christian identity traditions. Wesley Swift was not a Paul basher, quoted him all the time. Bertrand Compare was not a Paul basher, quoted him all the time. I don't ever hear Richard Butler being a Paul basher. I don't, Richard Butler didn't have a body of scholarship, right? He didn't have even a body of sermons that are recorded. That They're not. Whatever he did, he did. I don't know what he did because nothing's recorded. But they weren't Paul bashers ever. So what the fuck is Roper doing? Can he claim that the authority of Butler, Swift, and Compare if he's a Paul basher? No, he can't. He's an innovator and a politician. Fuck Billy Roper. I would abuse him in person. He would never be able to debate with me. I'll abuse the shit out of him. And well, this is, and I've I've had this argument with other people, right? Which is they don't understand how how everything started going to hell almost as soon as Paul died, right? They don't understand because because I have I have quotes, I have I have historical documentation that can prove that as early as sixty to eighty A.D., so sixty to eighty years after the death of. The church, there was really only one church. This was long before the schism. The church was already, there were people who were making arguments that salvation comes from the church and not Christ. So almost immediately, heresy was starting. And we see politics being intruded into, into doctrine and scripture. And I, I can prove that. And this is, it's just same shit, different story. It's, it's, it's always been like this. Right? There, there have always been right. really wrong. Exactly. And those, and those, most of them are kikes. Most of them are kikes. I think this is pertinent to what we're talking about right now. Is it of John's gospel? I think it is where, uh, you know, we're, we're given what we need to know on a need-to-know basis. So you can never come to the conclusion that you, you know everything about something. Even what you were saying, Fink, is as far as uh, John eight, uh, chapter 8, um, reading it in a certain way or whatever. Um, that's that method of thinking constantly. There's never an end to it. We're never going to have it all figured out. And this groper fella, whatever the fuck he, I don't, he, he doesn't seem to understand that either. It, it sounds like he thinks that he has it all figured out. I don't even mean to keep giving him credence by mentioning him, but that's why I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, especially Chris Agenia in this time and what we're living in, um, I think we're we were given <laughs> what we need to know on that need to know basis right now. Well, well, I'm not lying. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Aryan Nations people, former Aryan Nations people that I'm good friends with that love my work, that help support my work, and and there's a lot of Billy Ropers, Aryan Nations people that despise me because I dared to deviate from the standard line of Swift and Compare and Butler. So. That's just tough. My line, My line is the scripture. 
And I'm the result of study. I'm not the result of politics like Billy Roper or, or what feels good or, or what's convenient to any given time. Fuck that. That's not me. I actually believe the Bible. Amen. Truly. So if, if Billy Roper wants to hate on me forever, he, he can go to hell. Well, he sounds like a howling wolf. Is he yeah, he's just a clown. I'm not, I'm not afraid of Billy. He's just a clown. He's a clown that posts um, a hundred posts a week, promoting his own, promoting himself under sock puppets. Well, he's using Billy Roper himself. Whatever. Is he a prosperity gospel guy? No, I don't believe so. No, I don't think he's prosperity gospel. But white nationalism. He was a former secular white nationalist who then did pagan stuff and then became a Christian. Isn't he the same guy that wanted to move all the white people up into Washington State? Yes. No. Well, well, I mean, he's on board with that, but he's not the leader of that. No. No, there was another one behind the whole like Ozark movement and crap. Yeah, he's in the Ozarks. He's in Harrison, Arkansas, or around there, right? Oh, never mind. My bad. I actually know the town he lives in, but I'll just say it's in Harrison, Arkansas. That's the general vicinity. So he still says he's CI, though, huh? Yeah, he's not an identity Christian. He's just a bozo trying to capitalize on Christian identity because of Hitler in, in North Arkansas. Yeah, and bozo the clown is a nice way to put it so this compromised identity i guess i could probably sum it up as those who want to be the friend of the world right yeah lowercase ci compromise compromise yeah compromise identity stands for the friends of the world wow well rovers well, backstab just about everybody else in in white nationalism or southern nationalism trying to make hay out of it for his own gain yeah, so he does it all the time. So they, you know, they all seem to fall back on that six and eight day theory in a way that's loving towards the nigger, right? Like they, oh wow, we found a spot for you to hang out with us, you fucking nigger. So, but well, see, well the bottom line is, if Yahweh created niggers, then niggers are good, and and how could we make them bad? Right, right. So, but on the contrary, even Wesley Swift. And Comparay, who did teach that shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right. In the ultimate end, they both were exterminated, right? They were divided amongst themselves from one sermon to another. I've de demonstrated that in, in commentaries. Right, but there's a lot of parts that show that they were exterminated. Yes. Right. And, and other parts that showed that they were something else. But they were in conflict with themselves because they didn't have it straight. Like Peter couldn't get it straight, had to get the dream vision four, three or four times. times. Yeah, hard hit it and right. I don't she, know. She, JD. Yes, sir. When you say exterminate, you mean God was going to exterminate one of his Adamite Israel like creation? No, no. No, everything else but Adam. Well, like a fire. Well, yeah. Well, Bill points that out in his strike. I think it's. You know, I mentioned it earlier tonight. All those that honor Yahweh are going to lick a fire, and they're just going to be destroyed. Because they, oh, oh, 
exterminationist here. <laughs> well, well, no, Bill points that out in his Christ yeah, strike, and I, I, but Bill's not including any Adamites, Israelites in that. I don't see that in the text. Well, Yahweh is an exterminationist. Right, right. But anything that's not that he didn't plant will be exterminated. Am I understanding what you're saying, J.D.? I totally agree that all things is going to be exterminated because I'm an exterminator, yes, too. You yes, you are. Fucking burn those motherfuckers. You know that, what? Yes, let, me, let me tell yes. you. Let me tell you something, Michael. And Yahweh, all things consist. And Yahweh created Earth, and it consists in Yahweh. And right now, Earth has parasites all over that motherfucker, so he's going to burn it up. That's the only way that he can have his his ultimate will for the Adamite to live forever where he wanted us. So he's going to burn, yeah. burn it up. Well, J.D., I asked Bill this once a long time ago, and you may have been in the chat, J.D. This is a couple of years ago. I said, Bill, what would have happened if Adam and uh, the little lady would have just stayed with themselves? And Bill said that whole but hold Levant and Anatolia and all of that, we'd have a white world. It wouldn't be Hindus and sand niggers. We would have had would, dominion over them. Oh, yeah. Right. This wasn't good to be. Well, that's why the origins and destiny is so pertinent. I'm not, I'm not saying anything we don't already know, but if you're an affront to God, if you weren't created by him, they all have the same destiny, which is not existing anymore. It's, pretty, it's that simple. They simply don't exist, according to Psalm 37. Twice dead. Well, sorry, maybe not that one, but... Yeah, every plant my Heavenly Father has, has not planted will be rooted up. And at the beginning of the podcast, Bill said that, you know, when Adam fell from grace, he fell, he fell from the grace of God. But he also, like Michael was saying, lost his dominion. You know? And so Adam, if, if Adam had maintained his dominion, these um, non-whites wouldn't even exist in the Adamic world. And right now we see that there's a false god and that the Jews have dominion. You know, they, they've, they've usurped dominion over the world and their god, the government, is all-knowing. It has all the information on you guys. It's spying on you all. You know, it has all your information, your medical records, everything. And so we've lost dominion. Our race, the Adamic race, which God planned to have dominion, from the beginning, he created our race to have dominion. We fell from grace and lost dominion, but we will be restored to dominion of this earth, and we will have our white world, and the false god will be gone, and our god will rule. Right. Yeah, you know, I don't really see it that way. I, I believe that we still have the opportunity to dominion if we would only obey God. And that was the lesson of the kingdom of Israel. I think we lost a certain amount from we fail to obey God. That's why we don't have dominion. Right. That was and the lesson of the thousand years. If we, if we obey would God, obey God, we would keep our dominion. But we, we, we went off and followed the Jews in their sin. So now the Jews have dominion. If our people will repent, you will heal our land. Well, on this note, I'm going to end the podcast, gentlemen. I mean, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the conversation has to end, but we're going to call it a good night. So I, I really do appreciate y'all for for being here and talking about these things and raising these questions and participating and praise Yahweh.
And I, I want to congratulate you for being right that all Mexicans are Jews. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Congratulations, Bill. Thank you, Dasho, JD, Michael, David. Even if I never met any of you, I'm glad you exist. Thank you, Alway.